Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we take a look in the rearview mirror at some of our vehicle brews and what we learned about the artifact subtype. After that, we'll revisit some of our other ongoing projects and check in to see how they may fare in this new modern meta. Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serious Episode 13 of the Serum Visions podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me on the line is a man who guards the gate to the underworld, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? You know, well, still doing really well. You know, things are going relatively well in general, and I always like recording early. I feel a little bit more awake, which is always fun. And, you know, just fresh, new modern, new me, new life, right? Yeah. How's the, uh, how's the gate to the underworld? Oh, yeah, you know, it's it's it's... You know, every time I have this realization, it's just, I'm a combo player, like straight up. Like, I don't know what to say about it. Every time I start playing Breach, it's like, ah, you know, feels good. Uh, so Underworld is doing pretty well, you know, guarding it. I'm only only allowing out what I want to allow out and keeping everything else in. Croxa uh, loves to escape. And yeah, I'll escape Croxa all day. Yeah, I hear you've got that other Titan on lockdown. I'm sorry to say, but, uh, you know, wrong color pair, wrong color pair. We're, we're yeah. all about the black and red now. I, un, you know, I wish. I'm <laughs> rest in peace, Uro. You will be missed. Uh, but Croxa, uh, you know, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. Also joining us on the line is the chief operator of the grinding station, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? Yeah, we got a lot of shrapnel flying off the grinding station today. You know, a lot of decks being chewed up and spat out in the modern format by linear nonsense. But uh, you know, it, it's 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 honest work. <laughs> is it? Is it honest work though, or is it is it is it unhonest work? No, listen, listen. Someone has to tell people that they can't play black white tokens. All right, and, <laughs> and, and that's it's you know it's again it's it's I, I didn't say it was an easy job, but uh, somebody's got to be the heartbreaker. Somebody's got to tell people that you can't get away with uh, absolute nonsense in modern. Although that has not actually been the case as of late, and as we will get to talk about in a little bit there's been a whole lot of nonsense going on yeah and if we do our jobs right there will be nothing but nonsense i want to <laughs> i want to get the full cave dan experience i want to break this format in half and i want to regret it nice i respect uh, that yeah I, I mean if it hasn't been done with uh grinding station uh which I, I believe is the greatest combo deck of all time and will rock the uh, format um, I, I don't know who, of course, said that. It may have been Doctor Combo himself. Although I think, despite any claims you you have made, uh, you, you wouldn't go that far. No, but I mean, you know, it's it's gonna be banned eventually. It's just one of those things where, as soon as someone figures out the ideal shell for it, you know, just like it'll st- see, it'll stay cease to be interesting, and it'll it'll be oppressive. When they when they drop um, Lion's Eye Diamond into Time Spiral remastered by accident. That'll be the. Uh, oh no! Don't you toy with me! Wow, that would actually. When they, when they add um, brain freeze to the format in uh, Modern Horizons 2. 
Lion, Lion's Eye Diamond would actually be insane. You know, just thinking about all the lines is just, it would, if you had Lion's Eye Diamond in your breach deck, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty much always deterministic, honestly. Well, that's that's what uh, got the Legacy One banned. And well, it, it was uh, it was Brain Freeze, Brain Freeze and LED. Yeah, yeah, Brain Brain Freeze and the LED. Right, they they needed um, they needed both. But yeah, the LED would do enough on its own. You're you're right. You're totally right. And right. and so speaking of those two things, we've got two big product things right now. We are in the midst of Time Spiral Remastered uh, previews, and uh, I think you both are as excited about them as I am. Old borders, woo! Old border, best border. So I, I did write an article to this uh, effect uh, several months ago about uh, 10 cards I'd love to see an old border reprinted into this set. That's on faithlessbrewing.com. Uh, Dan has put up the sort of bingo board for uh, people in in uh, Faithless Brewing to track along with how how accurate or or um, maybe how, how much my hopes will be dashed. Um, as we get through this preview season, although I've already been confirmed on a couple of these, so that was exciting. Uh, Ponder is the number one that I was very excited to see, and uh, they they made a, a nice easy move and got that one in there. Do you guys have any one one favorite thus far that you are most excited to get at some point? Picking one is tough. Well, then I... pick as many as you as <laughs> jumped to your mind. Yeah, which ones are you most excited for, Brian? I'm gonna have to say Chalice to start. I really wish they would have used the Seb McKinnon art, but I love the brown border on artifacts. Um, you know, I was first playing in like 95, 96, and that's just like, it hits me right in the nostalgia. That's why I love these borders in general. I think as an adult now, I'm looking at them and I'm like, okay, I can objectively see why the border has changed over the years. I think that like they've done a really good job conveying information for example with the legendaries and things with the new border which i know is is a lot more recent um but man you know uh chalice of the void paradoxical outcome repeal uh trinket mage remand all of these they're just <laughs> so good so so good yeah i'm i'm gonna gonna second uh, repeal and paradoxical outcome these, you know, these beautiful outcomes, they're going to make me make some bad decisions, and we're going to do our best to create a paradoxical outcome deck in Modern one day. Uh, and Oh, yeah. It's, I know it's going to fail spectacularly, but maybe maybe I'll get lucky. You never know. Yeah, I started throwing together some lists last night, and um, they were not good. But, you know, we'll keep trying. So, so many of these are great um, role players, and that's something I'm really excited about. Um, there's Ninja, the Deep Hours, and Trinket Mage. Um, you know, we've got Repeal, Disdainful Stroke. Um, in in white, obviously, now I finally have an excuse to own a card that I've resisted for so long, which is, of course, uh, Path to Exile. I don't love playing with Path to Exile, but if you're playing white in modern, of course, you, you really do have to. Um so that, 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 that's exciting for me. And, and Reband, Moldrifter, I mean, th these are great. Absolutely fantastic. And then, uh, and then we have the uh, eventual upcoming uh, Modern Horizons 2, which many people are, are looking forward with a, with, with a careful eye. Um, we, we don't really know that much about it other than a release date, which I guess I'll look up right now. Yeah, um, definitely check on that. I want to say uh, two things. Well, we also, Modern Horizons 2 will have the enemy fetches so that's something we Correct, know yeah but the other yeah. thing yeah is that i forget i think it was maybe i think i was reading a star city games article a while ago and oh michael michael majors that's it michael michael majors he writes for star city now he actually said that he was you know one of the uh 
I think one of the people who had a, a lot of responsibility for Modern Horizons 2. And he said the set's done already and just like he feels very proud of it and he thinks it's going to be a good set. And, you know, he seems to have a lot of respect as a designer and just like a player in general. So I think, you know, if he says it's going to be good, I think, you know, I think it's fine to have confidence that it's going to be a good set. I, I do expect oh, yeah. I do expect one or two misses, but, you know, like you can't. The, once again, the fact that <laughs> Turn of Eldraine has more cards banned in Modern than Modern Horizons, you know, like one or two misses is kind of okay. Yeah, and yeah. and I think, I mean, I think they've done a lot of learning, hopefully, um, at least in the short term. I mean, the way this goes in cycles, that I, I would think that they will, they will start making mistakes again at some point, and there will probably be some mistakes in the set, but... Overall, it's probably fine. And and to be fair, I mean, on so many metrics, the the original set was a success. I mean, they made snow exciting. Oh, it's yeah. exactly what they wanted to do. Um, they they made a great limited format that a lot of people still love. They brought back ninjas. They they powered up goblins. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of things that they didn't get to. But it turns out that if we look at the their release schedule over the next little while, they managed to do a lot of the the things that they quote missed. So like. Um, elves is now a frequent 5-0 in in modern it's not doing great in competitive challenges yet but we'll see and uh, same with goblins and they've managed to do that with standard set releases so that's uh, an interesting aspect as well is that uh, you know even things that don't get hit the second time around they they're very aware of what people are asking for and uh, much like the old border if if people ask long and hard enough um then they'll eventually say okay i guess this is something worth doing because people you know on mass are really asking for it well and i think it's important to keep in mind that you know we hear a lot of negativity uh because that is sort of what you know people don't don't often post like wow i'm really happy with this or like status quo is good and i'm happy with the status quo <laughs> it's usually complaining about you know things that are busted or, or whatnot and i think you know okay hogak was pretty egregious um but you know astrolabe being banned it took a while it took a while for everybody to figure out how good it was you know um mm -hmm. well, and in and some I of the formats i mean a lot of people have made arguments that it's like it didn't really need to go down if you took out these other cards but they didn't want to do that for whatever other reasons like sure yeah i mean, I mean it, it definitely was prob problematic and popper for sure i'm sure but uh yeah yeah but for for formats like legacy where they just lost it i mean they also took out oko which was a whole Anyway, it's, it's right. one of those I, things. I mean, you know, I think my point is just that they get it right a lot more than they get it wrong. And sometimes when they get it wrong, it feels bad and we fixate on that. But, you know, uh, I, you know, having a little bit of tolerance for some of these broken things for a little while, it's like it's all going to get fixed, you know, just just relax, lean into it, uh, you know, maybe stay away from the uh, the challenges while Tibalt's being cascaded into or cascade into your own Tibalt's. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, then they do things so right, like this time spiral remastered, and I'm just like, okay, they've, they've got a budget of failure now for me. Like, I've got a budget of good <laughs> <laughs> I'll over I'll overlook the next couple of design mistakes, no problem right now, because I'm just so happy that these old frame cards that I were told would, would never see the light of day again, that they couldn't do it. It couldn't be done. I mean, yeah, well, just like us, like, Wizards are just doing the best that they can with what they have. Yeah, and 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 they do a damn good job, to be perfectly f frank. Because mm -hmm. I've played some other digital card games, I've played some other actual card games. I mean, there's a reason that Magic has been going on so long. There's a reason that 
they managed to retain so much player base. So, uh, so kudos, kudos to, to all of them. And, uh, always, always a big shout out to Mark Rosewater for being such a freaking workhorse of, you know, positivity and inclusivity. And yeah, he makes some goofs all the time, but he's just a goofy guy and he always seems incredibly well-intentioned, hardworking. I mean, he really puts everything into this game. Uh, it's it's incredible to see that, and uh, the obviously the the group of people around him is probably fairly similar. They just don't get as much airtime. We should uh, we should get that guy on this podcast. Oh man, on for a <laughs> Mark, if you're listening to this, hit us up. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Also, we'll take a preview for uh, Modern Horizons too. If you got one kicking, that'd around. be great. Something really bad. Something really bad. Or really broken. Dark, yeah. Dark Steel Relic Two. Anyone? <sighs> Darksteel Astrolabe. Zero in the mana cost. Darksteel Astrolabe, don't don't tempt me. <laughs> Darksteel Astrolabe costs seven, indestructible, same text as Astrolabe otherwise. I mean, you know, I think Dan Rick suggested a while ago, I think actually to you when you were on Faithless Brewing, one mana indestructible ETB draw he card. He did. He did. I, I would I would be down for that card to exist. That would be an interesting card for modern. Not good enough for legacy for sure. So, um, but I mean, uh, Mox Opal is barely good enough for legacy. <laughs> right. Exactly. So speaking of good enough for modern, we've got um, some meta game to look at. Um, I'll, I'll ask you guys about your general thoughts in a second because uh, last week, if anyone is a consistent listener of this podcast. You know we had an extra special episode 12B where Mordekaiser and I broke down uh, the entire first 5-0 deck dump. And since then, we should have had two. We've only had the one, which is uh, unfortunate for a number of reasons I'm sure we'll eventually get to. Um, <laughs> we, we did get some weekend challenges. So these, these were the first challenges to take a look at the new format um, and how, how it's being com- played competitively in week one. Uh, this is not to infer that this is how it will always be. Um, even pre-ban, when we had a sort of stagnant, solved modern, um, and pre-Kaldheim, I guess. And I, I say stagnant in the best possible way, because we had something close to 20 viable archetypes for, for competitive magic, and they would rotate in and out of the top eights, and they would rotate in and out of the top 32s in terms of overall representation. Um, now it's the, the Wild West. And so we have one challenge, one by uh, Blue-White Control, which was playing against, was it Heliod uh, in the finals there, I think? Yep. yep. And then the other yeah, one won by Heliod. Uh, Heliod took the top two spots. But uh, from this, you could think, oh, man, Heliod must be totally taking over the format. No, it's not at all, actually. Um, and even their representation in these challenges is is medium. I mean, it's just very low. So it was, it was a great week one deck. Absolutely. We can say that for sure. Um, but we cannot yet say if green-white Heliod is going to be uh, one of the best decks in the format. It does have some constraints online. Obviously, there's some awkwardness with how you have to treat infinite life, etc. But in these challenges, we see uh, Jun Shadow, other Shadow variants, Spirits, Hammer Time, Burn, Red-Green Midrange, and um, Blue-Red Prowess. All of these decks are um, represented, but not in a crazy, uh, to a crazy extent. Um, so... You know, yes, it's it's a very aggressive slant for competitive uh, um, competitive play right now. But uh, blue, white, and Heliod's standing on top is quite interesting. Um, there is a new-ish five-color scapeshift deck. Um, so this is very similar to the control scapeshift decks that we uh, would see. Um, I don't know, eighteen months ago, two years ago, um, rather than red-green titan shift. 
Um, and this one is sort of the the new four color money pile plus uh, Scape Shift, Valky, and Bring to Light. Bring to Light can of course put a uh, Tybalt Cosmic Imposter in play, and you can also use it to get your Scape Shift as long as you have seven lands to deal eighteen damage to your opponent. I'm I'm totally cool with this evolution into you know money pile into this Scape Shift deck. I actually I think this is like a, a fun transition for them. Um, but that aside, I this is like not super relevant. I do want to point out that in this top thirty-two, the price prices of decks is <laughs> far, far, far more reasonable than what we've seen in you know like the past month. So many of these challenges were you know topped by money pile, or were playing these you know euros and things like that that were driving up the prices. And um, I know that that isn't entirely relevant, but it's nice to see that. You know, prices have sort of normalized a little bit more, and the competitive decks are within rental limits again. Um, <laughs> so I know that that was, you know, sort of a complaint about the format when the Tybalt Cascade was going on, is that that Tybalt deck was actually not even within the rental limit for people at the highest tier on Mana Traders. And so there was a lot of frustration around that. Uh, the fact that prices are now well down uh, hopefully means that there will be more competitive action because people can afford to play. Uh, well, I mean, that, so that had to do with the specific uh, pair of cards, which is Uro, Titan of Nature's sure. Wrath, and Force of Negation. Force of Negation is still wonderfully Obscene. expensive yeah. Um, because yeah. Uh, it is a player in both uh, Modern and Legacy, and that's part of the reason that Uro was also reasonably expensive as it was uh, quite quite a player in in modern and legacy um so i mean yeah it was basically just most of the euro decks were force of negation decks and so if you put those two cards together that was basically an add about 600 tickets to the price of any deck Woo. um which is crazy but i mean that's where it's at and so what we what we do see now is an incredible diversity in strategies, win conditions, and specific cards. And the cards that are played a lot, um, we have a breakdown of the most played cards on the Saturday challenge. We've got uh, Lightning Bolt, Monastery Sosphere, Lavadar, Path to Exile. And then the first thing that is above uncommon is Oriok Champion, which is followed by Arbor Elf, Soulscar Mage, Mystical Dispute, Manamorphos, and Path to Exile. So, th I mean, this being almost entirely, there's two appearances of Path to Exile. I don't know what's going on with that. But anyway, the, the, the fact that there is um, such a representation of, of lower rarity cards means that's going to drive the format down, whereas everyone was trying to play Uro, everyone was trying to play Force of Negation, and they were, you know, rares and mythics. So that definitely was yep. pushing us in that direction. Um, but then these challenges also have the the long tail includes things like... Uh, actually, I, should, I shouldn't say long tail because Mill did top eight, um, but there's Living End Cascade, <laughs> Dredge, Yogmoth Combo, Eldrazi Tron, uh, Green Tron, Humans, Bogles, Hammer Time, uh, Gift Storm, Esper Control, Jun, Soul Flare, Oops All Spells, um, and uh, Arun has even run into Belcher in, um, in Leagues. I, I, I wouldn't expect to... Uh, dodge that forever in the challenges, um, especially with Oops All Spells having made a, an appearance. So uh, how do you feel about this challenge meta, Jiggy? I mean, you know, like, I think this challenge meta reflects pretty well what I felt going into the league. This is just, you know, Modern's back, baby. Like, we just have this huge deck diversity. You can jump into a league and, you know, at this point, like, you know, I might face a burn or a red deck at least once or twice a league. Uh, but that's just, you know, kind of how it works. And especially in an unknown meta, 
Uh, Burn is just a very good deck and Red Prowess or Blue Red Prowess just haven't really lost anything. But more or less, you know, you just go in and you never know what you're going to find. You know, as Zach said, I faced a Belcher deck. It crushed me. It was very sad. It actually stole a trophy from me. Uh, but, you know, it was a Belcher deck and you know, even without SSG, that's still pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I just, I love this. Like, this is, you know, like, I mean, everyone has their own definition of what is the most ideal modern or just, like, what makes modern unique or whatever. But it's definitely the fact that you jump into a league and who the hell knows what you're going to find. Like, you know, like, maybe you'll even run into blue-black Luris Merfolk with 16 creatures and Luris is a companion and four <laughs> Force of Negation, four Deprive, and, uh, you know, like, four, I think, uh, and this is M. Hayashi's recent list. It even has four Creeping Tarpit in addition to four Mutavault. So, you know, just like going off, going deep. Uh, but, you know, 9-1 in League Games is pretty good. Yeah, it's a, that's a pretty crazy list. And what what I would say is the general tone of the format, uh, and I, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but it is such a, a flashback. Every mm-hmm. time I sit down, it feels like, or not every time I sit down, but most of the times when I sit down and play, I'm like, wait a minute. That deck is almost card for card the same as it was two years ago. Like, what is happening? Um, and so to that end, um, when we did the 5-0 deck dump uh, last week, Mordekaiser and I, um, if you listen to that, I mean, we, we have some decks that were in the 5-0 that I, I don't think I've seen the light of the day in a long time. There was 8-Rack and Smallpox. These are both traditionally very low-power <laughs> decks that would be completely overcome by a single Uro going to the graveyard. Um, and uh, that, that doesn't happen to them anymore. So they were able to uh, come uh, back and uh, and get a 5-0. And there's just tons and tons of nonsense like that coming back up. And it seems like this second 5-0 dump, which is from uh, February 26th, um, is suspiciously absent of any Jiggy Wiggy decks, um, which we'll talk about in a half a second here, but is similarly diverse. It's 62 decks. I believe the previous one was... 62 or 65 but it also had um several of the decks from the tybalt era the the cascade era um still had snuck in there so that was sort of artificial um yeah i mean i also want to mention that like these bands just i did i mean you kind of know how oppressive mystic sanctuary and field of the dead were but now when i jump run into control in the league i actually i love the gameplay now it's like really good it's just one for ones very back and forth you know like normally They'll one-for-one you and you're both in top deck mode. And it's just like, okay, now you know, like, if they draw a Sanctuary and they get back Remand or something, like, it's game over. But now, like, you don't have to worry about that. And it's like, okay, you know, just like, I have draws and they have draws and some good back and forth. And, you know, I faced a, I, I faced Money Pile the other day. They just flooded out, you know? They had, they had like, 12 lands at the end of the game. And they didn't, they didn't have a Zombies. It felt great, you know? It's just... It's crazy. Like, the gameplay just feels so refreshing. And at least for me personally, I don't have that, like, feeling of despair that I get when you're, you know, like, the other deck, when the uh, the opposing deck just has inevitability. It's just like, oh, you know, just like, I have to take this game long, but I'm not going to win if it goes long. But now, you know, it's like, it's anybody's game when it goes long, uh, which I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I enjoy the control matchups now. Just, you know, I'm, I'm loving this. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, I jumped in and uh, had a chance to play some blue-white control, and I, I brewed up a little teamer control, and you know I, I took a couple games uh, on the back of a brazen borrower, you know, just like 
old school, I'm beating you with a 3-1 in the air. This is sweet. Uh, I, I got to play a little Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Uh, I got to play a little Ral Is It Viceroy. I even, <laughs> I even emblemed. I think I shared that screenshot. That was sweet. Went to round, uh, turn 16 with Prowess and was just holding them off, holding them off, holding them off. They, uh, they sandbagged a bunch of cards to try and overload me on counter spells, but I had the Ral emblem. So I just waited for that last bolt, bolted them in response, and uh, between the Rowl emblem and the bolt, I was able to finish it. it felt so Woo! good, so good. Justice. Yeah, I'm I'm a big lover of control, and uh, I, I have to readjust to playing these control decks uh, without Mystic Sanctuary. <laughs> uh, without I'm your just, busted I'm cards. Just, I'm just being real because like it, it is it is quite the adjustment, and like. Um, you know, I, I was in a very good position against a Merfolk deck where I had uh, I, m I managed to be, you know, reasonably alive, and they were on one card in hand, and I had one card in hand to play my last card. They had their fourth Force of Negation that they hard cast, and then they just managed to top deck their way out of it because I, I was drawing, you know, some lands and, and other nonsense that didn't help me <laughs> enough, and, uh, and that was a little tricky. Um so it's uh, it's definitely an adjustment, and uh, you know I was I was never a huge fan of Money Pile, but uh, the number of times I was beat by them pulling out literally a sequence of Uro into Mystic Sanctuary or or what have you is 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 nice. So you know Ren and Six is now um, back to how I remember playing it in the beginning with uh, Niv Mizzet. Um, so I've I've played both uh, Niv and uh, Enigmatic Incarnation several times since the the format change, and I've loved both of those decks. Niv, by the way, an excellent matchup against Burn. So if you are sick of losing to nothing but Burn, that is an excellent choice. <laughs> and then the uh, Enigmatic Incarnation deck that we did a, a dive with uh, uh, with Mordekaiser on last time, I've been playing a bunch of that, and it is incredibly fun. Uh, it does have a bit of a tricky um, blue-red prowess matchup, um, and Tron is really back right now, um, so that's that's fun for me. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> every time I see that, I'm like, mm, maybe it's time to register Jeskai Control with some Cleansing Wildfires. Does anyone does anyone have that aspiring Spike Guys number? I, I feel like he had a deck that had four Cleansing Wildfire and. Uh, and some blood suns or something. I feel like that could be really good right now. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, now is the time, especially, you know, I've actually I've run into Tron a couple times too, and I definitely agree that it's out there. You know, you gotta be ready. Luckily, Thought Season Breach is pretty good against Tron, is what I've learned. But, you know, sometimes they have turn one relic game one, and you're just, just like, shit. And so I know we wanna get to our, our vehicle talk, but before we do, because it's part of, of the metagame, uh, I, I've had some good results with um, Enigmatic Incarnation, which um, Sam Black did write an article about um, recently for Star City. Um, so that's exciting. That deck is picking up a bunch of traction. Um, but uh, Jiggy, you are breaking the format again, are you not? You had a 5-0 with, uh, with Grixis Breach that did not get published. Now, did you go in and manipulate the, uh, the, the, the cells of these uh, the servers so that your tech didn't get leaked so you can go 7-0 another challenge? Or what's happening with this? I wish. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm going to get to this in a little bit more, too. But I took the... I've been messing with the, uh, the Croxa Lazar Breach list because, I don't know, just... Every time I play it, I just get such warm, fuzzy feelings. Uh, I, you know, still trying to figure out what exactly those feelings, like where do they come from and what do they mean. 
but you know that in science if something works uh you you use it and then you ask questions later uh, or else we would have not used antidepressants for a long time uh, and so kind of so i took this alazab breach list and i trophied and it was you know honestly it felt great it was it was sweet just overall sweet uh unfortunately it would have been in the tuesday deck dump uh but wizards decided to completely bypass the tuesday deck dump so it, it's not that they you know they didn't like publish it and they skipped my list they just did not publish one on uh, on the previous tuesday and then for the friday one that they published uh yesterday at this point they did not include the tuesday deck dump in it so just wizards just they essentially they just skipped the whole deck dump which is yeah. a little it, ha it happens from time to time I, yep. I, I never understand why um but it's one of those things that just just i i swear it's someone forgot to download a dot txt and and upload it to you know yeah I a mean, different a different program like they just didn't didn't do the paperwork and now it's just gone i mean i'm 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 sure that's it every so often the gnomes that compile the 5.0 dump need a day off and it just so happened to coincide with your five O dump, you know. Uh, they they were getting vaccinated. Yeah, they yeah. Getting, <laughs> they're they're unionizing. It's it's really important. It's a small inside the server is very tight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Confined spaces. I don't want to, you know, like I don't want to throw out any conspiracy theories or anything because that's definitely not what I'm about. But the timing is a little strange considering that they just banned Uro across all formats, <laughs> and you know, like Crooks is still a pretty good card. And, you know, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it just happened that, you know, Wizards saw I did well with Kroxa, and they're like, hey, you know, this deck looks busted as hell. If this gets out there, we're going to have to ban Kroxa. And, Wait, like, we can't have all the Titans looking bad. Yeah, we just banned Uro. Like, that'll be egg on their faces if they have to ban Kroxa, too. So I bet, you know, the gnomes probably had very convenient timing in taking their COVID vacations for vaccines. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, I'm... I'm you know, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, like I'm I'm not about conspiracies. That's not my style. I'm just I'm just saying that, you know, there is this like there is a timeline. Like, you know, there is a series of events that are a little suspicious. Correlation or causation? That's that's the question. Oh. We'll, oh yeah. We'll pour one out for uh, we have a, we had a new uh, uh, player pilot of uh, Enigmatic. I want to say it was Grixicism, but there was someone on the Faithless Brewing Discord who was managed to five zero with Enig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Grixicism. So uh, I pour one out for Grixicism's trophy as well um, because he hit five uh, zero with Enigmatic apparently, and uh, that did not get recorded either. So uh, for everyone out there who five zero was sweet jank, if you do listen to this podcast and your sweet jank was not posted in the 5.0 deck dump on on uh, the previous tuesday send it in to us we'll, we'll talk about it uh on the next episode in two weeks you know it'll still be relevant uh <laughs> modern is apparently in a state of glacial change as it as it used to be um so we can only expect one one to two new archetypes and one or two new cards making into some known archetypes per set from here on out i'm calling it now this is my called shot that uh we're not going to see any more Modern Horizons or uh, Ikoria's. Nope, there's just no more innovation. It's just going to be slow and steady, baby. Oof. No, I my, hope so. My, my hot take is the opposite. I think that given the aggressiveness of the uh, marketing for Strixhaven indicates that it is going to be so busted. Yeah. Well, at least it's going to be popular. And I think I think that's something that we I, I can say is that... Uh, as much as I don't want to be excited about it because I'm no longer a teenager, um, <laughs> I love Harry Potter so much. 
I, I am actually like a serious, like original seven book Harry Potter fan. Um, and uh, I'm really, really excited for the set. And I think they kind of knocked it out in terms of just even just these first five cards we've seen oh, in yeah. the card mm -hmm. design. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen them, we, do, we, have, we have been previewed five cards from Strixhaven School of Mages, um, which is, first of all, is crazy timing. Because I think we just got Kaldheim. It feels like it. But that's because we had two weeks of a non-format. And now we're only two weeks into the into the new format. So apparently, you know, we're about eight weeks out from uh, Strixhaven, probably. Um, so it's a full cycle of enemy-colored commands um, to, complete the, um, to complete the ones from uh, Khans of Tarkir. I think, generally speaking, uh, this is very similar to the, the con cycle in that one or two of them is sort of fringe playable in eternal formats, and uh, and then the other three are, are probably not so much. Um, they're more aimed at standard, and that's fine. Um, I think we'll probably talk to the, talk about those uh, more when the when the actual set release comes, because uh, you know there's there's just not that much to say about a card that's not going to be impacting the format for another two months. For sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I do love me some good commands, though. You know, like K command. As much as as much as it wrecks my shit all the time, because I play yeah. didn't I play cheap creatures and artifacts. Uh, you yep. know, casting one feels really good, and you know, like some of yep. these commands. Yeah, I'm totally down for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and commands are some of my favorite cards. I mean, I wrote an entire article about cryptic command, so um, uh, there's definitely definitely some some heavy love in my in my soul for the commands. I love the modality of them so much. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, why don't we take a little break, and when we come back, we will uh, take a look at some of these vehicle brews and see what sort of devastation they brought upon their pilots. All right, welcome back. Uh, so as a reminder, uh, two weeks ago we had an episode with the wonderful Cave Dan of Faithless Brewing, and we kind of brainstormed some vehicles ideas. Uh, we were excited about some of the recent prints in Kaudheim, such as the Colossal Plow, the Giant Ox, and Armed and Armored. Um, and so we thought that we'd slap some vehicle lists together and see how they fared. Well, uh... I don't want to. What, what is? They, what do they say on the dive down? This is a tease. They all kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to. I, the I would lead. say there was at least one. There was at least one mostly good one in Pioneer. Sure, I sure. Mean, I you you had a great moment that you definitely have to talk about. But like apart from seeing that wonderful moment, uh, <laughs> these lists did not impress me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll kick us off, I guess, here with uh, a list that I called Abzan Battleplow. Uh, so this really focused around Armed and Armored, the Giant Ox, and Colossal Plow. As I said earlier, those were some of the most exciting cards out of Kaldheim in terms of vehicles for me, and I wanted to give them a try. I imagined a black-based mid, uh, black mid-range deck that could use hand disruption and removal to make it to the mid-game, all while dropping cheap threats such as the Consulate Dreadnought and the Colossal Plow along the way. I decided to throw in some green for cards like Abrupt Decay and Maelstrom Pulse, and what came out was an Abzan mid-range deck. Uh, this is one of the 
few lists that I sketched up played and didn't really feel the need to tweak too much. It actually played pretty much exactly as expected. The early turns were spent on disruption and removal. I squeaked in a threat here or there, so you dropped the odd... Uh, um, dreadnought when you had a chance or the plow um, because they are vehicles they're a little bit more resistant to removal since they have to be creatures to you know eat a fatal push um, by the mid game I had a couple vehicles down in most games and was able to drop a giant ox uh, an Egon god of death which is another card that I was playing or cast an armed and armored to get a few swings in um, in many of the games that's exactly how things played out but against other mid-range or control decks, things sort of fell apart. Uh, Blue-white control had the tools to uh, pretty much keep all of the important spells from resolving, and it turns out that a bunch of vehicles without something to crew them are pretty worthless. Um, <laughs> Hold on, I just, I'm going to jump in and say I found this to be a repeating theme in my vehicle testing also. Yeah. Uh, and against other mid-range decks, especially green-black based decks or, you know, Jund-like decks, um, they had the tools to remove both the artifacts or the creatures once the uh, vehicles were crewed. And so, you know, the deck was like pretty medium, but, you know, it was, it was clearly worse than these other mid-range strategies. So that was a bummer. Uh, definitely had a couple games where I would crew something only to have the vehicle eat a fatal push and was kind of like, oh, Oof. yeah, that, that sucks. And then you have a great looking ox and you're just like, well, <laughs> they killed my vehicle. Now I have a zero six. Yeah. Uh, so that was a bummer. Um, but what I did take away from this was uh, some good info on a few of the cards that I was interested in. Colossal Plow was pretty sweet I was able uh, every time that I was able to swing with it, but a crew 6 is a hard ask. The life gain was very relevant in the new meta due to all the burn, um, but the deck didn't quite capitalize on the free mana well enough. I think if I were going to keep pushing the Plow, I might look to add more ways to utilize that free mana. Uh, the biggest problem I had with the plow was that it also dies to bolt. So uh, I think mm -hmm. a lot of times when I went to go swing with it, it just got bolted. And I was kind of like, well, at least I got my free mana and my life gain, but now I don't have my plow anymore. And that's pretty sad. The giant ox was a fine blocker, and it's great if it crews something before it dies, but in an age of Croxes, Rotting Regisaurs, and Egons, I think that you really want your creature that can crew something to actually threaten the opponent and not just threaten to crew a vehicle or block. <laughs> but it's a scary vehicle. You know, that, that ox that ox was piling a dreadnought, man. Like, that's intense. It's true. It's true. And I do think that maybe there is a world where the giant ox could be useful in some other context. It doesn't have defenders, so maybe if you strap some uh, equipments on it, you know, you put a batter skull on that ox, now you're cooking. You I got mean, a 410? Yeah. With vigilance. <laughs> I just, yeah, no one's ever going to be able to fail push that. <laughs> I just got to say, just the, the visual of, you know, like the ox jumping into the driver's seat of the consulate dreadnought just like gets me every time. Yeah, I think they should have called it ox with thumbs instead of giant ox. <laughs> I just like the idea of the ox like pulling the consulate dreadnought at them. No, and I mean it definitely. Obviously, it it hit it, it hits them first. <laughs> no, I mean it, it jumps <laughs> like... in the pilot seat. That's you know it's got to be. It just jumps in the control console. And I, th I think my favorite one was one of the moments where one of my plays was like, I crew Heart of Kieran, and then I have the Heart of Kieran hop in something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a great moment. 
Because they, they did, uh, Mark Rosewater talked about when they were designing it, they were like, should we have it so you can't crew a vehicle with another vehicle? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. We'll have the dude hop in the helicopter, the helicopter hop in the, t- the boat, and the boat hop in the tank. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It was vehicles all the way down. Uh, so armed and armored was great for surprise factor in a few games i was able to assemble a few uh, i was able to assemble a win on a single turn by crewing everything out of nowhere and swinging for lethal Um, that said without leaning into the vehicles harder or without the dwarf equipment synergy to capitalize on i don't think that i was quite getting enough from the card i found myself shaving from four to three and then sometimes down to two uh it's pretty bad in multiples a lot of time and if you don't have enough vehicles on board it's just kind of like cool i spent a card to crew a vehicle and it got fatal pushed that sucks uh, I ran Peace Walker Colossus as a one of, and it overperformed for me. In the few games that I had it in play, it was just way better than Ox since it was a bit harder to remove. And if you had an abundance of mana, you could just keep crewing additional vehicles. So I like that one a little bit more. And even if it itself got crewed, it was a little harder to remove with Fatal Push because you had to have Revolt active. So. Um, that's definitely something I think to keep on the radar if we return to vehicles. Uh, I think it's a lot better than it looks at first glance. And the final card that I was kind of excited about to test was Egon. And I, you know, I don't think this was the right shell for Egon. It was a fine creature threat because a lot of my cards went to the graveyard quickly, you know, instants and sorceries and whatnot. Uh, I was able to keep it on the battlefield for a decent amount of time. Um, but it is pretty uh, vulnerable to graveyard hate. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's worth brewing in a different context, but I don't know that I would run it in this list again. Yeah, Egon is super interesting. You know, I, I think Dan recommended it uh, to us. Like, oh, it's a six-part thing that can crew, uh, you know, crew your things. And that's cool. I, I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm, I want to, I need to put them as a one of in uh, try and end the Lazav list. Because the front half is at, the back half of the one CMC legendary artifact is actually really good as it mills you a turn, yeah. and then you know maybe it'll be a Lizov copy target if you get lucky. So I definitely, you know, I think Egon. I'm super curious about Egon, and definitely gonna throw one in my next list. Well, and I, I did have an opponent at one point remove my graveyard, and the Egon died, and then it drew me a card. So the fact that it replaces itself if they hit it with mm-hmm. the graveyard hate is super nice. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a you know. A, I pre- uh, I'm glad you reminded me about Egon because I, tr- I forgot about it. But now, you know that, yeah, I think it's a good card to pursue further. For sure. Uh, so I know you took the Ox for a spin there, Arun. Why don't you oh, tell us dear. about that? Oh dear. Oh dear. So I took my good old Mardu Ox, which is kind of like my take on Mardu Yacht Club uh, 2.0. It was uh, just a quick refresher. A three. I. It's kind of got this Mox Amber sub theme, as most of my nonsense does. With three Ailey, four Giant Ox, four Kroxa, one Sram, three Luris, two Vito, three Soren, Vengeful Bloodlord, which, you know, pretty... I, I had high hopes, and they were dashed. Uh, four Inquisition, two Bolt, four Bobble, three Amber, four Dreadnought, two Plow, and then just, like, one Seal of Fire, just because, you know, I like random one-ofs. And then 21 lands, and, you know, kind of... Yeah, the hope was, like, okay, this deck is terrible, but maybe we can go, like, turn one Dreadnought, Turn two, Kroxa, crew the Dreadnought. Turn three, uh, you know, like, be Luris, or, yeah, turn three, Luris. 
uh, or you know maybe turn to your Beto and then turn four Soren, replay, re get lures from your graveyard, crew the plow and like or crew the dreadnought and swing for a whole bunch of life link and you know maybe kill them because you have a veto if you're lucky. Uh, as you as everyone can probably guess, this sequence happened approximately zero times. Uh, it was, you know, it's just too many knuckleheads, just straight up. Like, is I I got the solid 4 drop. Like, you know, I, I couldn't. The deck wasn't even interesting enough to like play out the fifth match. Like, oh, you know, like in the 4 bracket, like maybe I'll get this like random mono blue taking turns this without sanctuary, and then you know maybe I can do my stuff. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I didn't even want to find out. It was just like no, it just. There's too many knuckle losses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like of course the sequencing never worked out, and you know, like what I've noticed is in the new modern is you wind up it's a lot more like one for oneing and two for one, kind of like the old modern, you know, like the good modern we love. And when you one for one your opponent, like one 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 versus blue eyed control, you're both kind of in top deck mode. They no longer have access to sanctuary. That's a feels good. You draw a giant ox into constant dreadnought, and they draw Jace into Teferi five. And it's just like, okay, like this, like, what am I doing? Like, am I like, am I actually like top decking an ox right now? Like, what the, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> and yeah, it was, yeah, it felt really bad. And I remember the whole time I was thinking like, shit, I would love four season Pyromancer in this list. You know, that's a good top deck. And then it's just like, oh, well, what are we cutting? Like, okay, out goes the synergy packages. And, you know, I'm sure the list would be better for it, but you know, that's, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play season pyromancer, may as well just do black red mid range or like mono red obosh with blood moons like like M Hayashi kind of popularized. Uh, yeah, I mean it's you know just it was disappointing on all levels, and it definitely <laughs> you know just kind of made me realize you you need to have a you know a density of powerful cards. You need good top decks in modern at this point because almost every you know, most games, most mid-ranger control games, they're going to be one-for-ones until, like, one person has one more threat than the other person has an answer to. And Giant Ox, you know, it's not a standalone threat. Constant Dreadnought, not a standalone threat. Veto, not a standalone threat. Like, Plow, not a standalone threat. Amber, that's not a standalone threat. You know, this deck has no standalone threats. It's a whole bunch, it's a pile of really weak cards. Uh... You know, maybe it needs Season Pyromancer and Bob. You know, those are two good cards that kind of have decent synergy with the deck. But now, once again, we're moving towards Black Red Midrange. And, like, do we even need those? I don't know. So it was it was pretty disappointing. But also, you know, kind of, once again, the iconic Dead Pigeon scene in... Uh, <laughs> uh, what is... Arrested Development. In, yeah, in, in Arrested Development. You know, just like... you. Bag bag says dead pigeon do not op- do not eat. He opened the bag and it's just like don't know what I was expecting, you know? Like you put in these terrible cards in your deck and you lose to like fatal push and like thought seasons of fatal push and like into their croxa and it's like, well, cool. Like my giant ox is gonna be very helpful right now. But I you know, I think that the hypothesis was that these vehicles are resistant to removal and you know that that is worth something. Uh, but in practice, what bore out was that uh, they are resistant to removal, but they're also resistant to attacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Brian, your list that you mentioned with them um, armed and armored, and then also the the red armed and armored equivalent that we didn't test, that might just be a better way to do it. It's just fill your deck with like red, white vehicles and eight of those effects. So you have the rule of eight. 
and then you know you're just kind of going for it and you know like if they kill all your if they kill all your stuff then at least you have these things you know you top deck armed and armored you've got two dreadnoughts and a plow you're swinging for lethal yeah that that happened in the abzan list a few times um so against aggressive decks it was fine against other mid-range and control that's where it just was like well they have the tools to deal with these so Yeah, I mean, so, you know, good good to try. But I think Zach also, I saw, I watched Zach stream a little bit with a similar list in Pioneer. And, you know, I just got to say, I saw him, he used some of my ideas and he was complaining a lot about Veto and complaining <laughs> a lot about some of my other questionable card choices. And then he had it this turn where he got to lifelink. choices. He, he got to lifelink and swing for like 21. Oof. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, so I took... Jiggy's idea for Mardu vehicles, and I ported it into Pioneer, as most of the key pieces were um, Pioneer legal. So I decided that that was a good idea. Um, I just added in some bits and pieces to try to pull it all together in that format instead. Um, there's very little removal in this particular list, because my uh, struggle was combining two unlike things um, in this archetype because basically what you've got is a theme of these big vehicles that require creatures who can crew it and uh veto luris soren vengeful bloodlord um and ailey eternal pilgrim who do not really uh interact with that strategy particularly well i mean there's a little bit of overlap but um generally speaking they're not uh they, they don't mesh into that very well they don't have a lot of power um so that they're not great at crewing the vehicles. I will say to Jiggy's point, you have not lived until you've attacked with a consulate dreadnought and then activated your veto thorn of the dusk rose to swing the life total by 21. Um, Cause you hit them for 14 and you gain seven. Um, that was unreal. That's pretty sweet. Um, even when they were blocking it, they were taking seven. So that was pretty incredible. Uh, in terms of like a basic shell and a way that you could tweak this, I'm sure it exists. The problem we were running into is I had sideboard fatal pushes. I had um, the other sideboard removal and disruption and almost every game, it felt like I needed to bring in four to six pieces of it. Um, <laughs> so I wonder if like, so Lur Luris was a big reach. I think that is probably nonsense in this format in this deck. Um, it was in, Arun's deck, but he was playing things like Mishra's Bobble, I believe, mm -hmm. and other ways. You know, I mean, uh, cheap permanents are just generally better the older you go in terms of formats. So that was definitely a mistake. Um, Ailey, I never managed to activate it once, but I think if you retool the rest of the deck list, you could you could be in a better spot with that. Magda wasn't doing enough work here. Um, I just thought it could be interesting, but uh, definitely not. So there's there's a lot of slots you can free up in this list if anyone does take a look at this uh, Marty Vehicles from Pioneer. Um, it's, it's not totally without hope, um, but it definitely did not perform very well in, in, the, in the league that I played it with. Um, I went up higher on land count because we don't have the ability to cantrip at all. And uh, because I included things like Gideon and um, Croxa is uh, something you can eventually start escaping, I wanted to make sure that I'd be able to actually pay for those things. But uh, it never worked out that way. We don't fill our graveyard in any kind of efficient way. So if there was a creature that could help us with crewing things and um, 
and fill the graveyard at all. That would be useful, like a, a Stitcher supplier with two power or something. Um, Meyer Triton. I had to mess with the vehicle count to fit everything <laughs> in. Soren was not great, so I, it was just it's just two ideas that don't particularly overlap well. Um, but what I will say is, like, I think maybe just Veto and Aethersphere Harvester is a reasonable place to start as additions mm. to the uh, the vehicle shell. I'm liking this. The Ox, Croxa, Boat, Plow. Um, and then I don't know if I'm sold on Soren, but maybe maybe two of them. Uh, the Gideon was not great in here, so I could see cutting them for more things that enabled other things. Any ideas, Brian? Uh, I'm just curious, actually how you felt about the peace walker classes because that one was low-key i think one of the better pieces in my lists yeah i'd go up to the full three copies here um i just wanted to try a selection of uh the the vehicles because i hadn't played with any of them yet peace walker colossus is great a plus plus and um how did you feel about the Aether Sphere Harvester as well? Because that that's sort of been. My I don't think thoughts. I ever drew it. Uh, okay. I think I think the one time I drew it, it was uh, it was too little, too late, or or something similar to that effect. Because um, I was only playing the one of them, but yeah. Mm. Um, so after this one, I took the other deck that I had found. Now this is tuned by other folks. This is the red white Boros Dwarf Vehicles deck. This thing was a hoot and a half. I mean, I think I went two three in the league, but it was just such a blast. Um, this really did. This was what I was looking for with the other deck. This is the reason that other deck played no interaction is because I was hoping that the power level of it would be on this level. Um, I think it could be because this is not a first draft. Um, so Connorman and other people have been working on this deck, and um, so this is a dwarf tribal deck, which is just awesome that that's a thing um that's viable in any format um with four copies of giant ox four copies of colossal dreadnought four copies of uh or consulate dreadnought four copies of colossal plow uh three piece walker colossus two heart of kieran and um since you are running 16 dwarves as well as four mutavolts um magda is actually able to create quite a number of uh treasure tokens fairly quickly um, I had multiple games where on turn three, I was actually able to produce the full five treasure tokens and go and get uh, a powerful artifact or Ooh. dragon from my deck. In this case, uh, Dragon Lord of Tarka and uh, Embercleave are your two big main deck things you can grab, which are both epic. Um, for anyone, <laughs> anyone who has no Dragon Lord of Tarka, it's uh, five green red for an eight, eight flying trample. And when it enters the battlefield, you can deal five damage divided as you choose among any number of creatures or planeswalkers. Um, so it's insane. Um, I got to play armed and armored in this deck. Uh, there was a couple of games where I was able to boot up my team of, uh, of vehicles and smash in for like 18. Um, a lot of the times they would eat fatal pushes. So the fact that uh, Pioneer is such a push-heavy format is very difficult um, for this deck. Um you know, the, the Pioneer queue right now feels a little bit like the Legacy queue, where it's just, like, a lot of killer players. Um, or it did last week. I think it might be opening up more so now. Um, as, as, I, as I said last time, um, I think Pioneer is ready for people to come back to it because it is fair and kind of open, and there's a lot of room to innovate and build uh, interesting decks and do reasonably well with them. 
Um, and the more people that come in and do that, the more it's going to feel like modern where you're running into people playing lots of nonsense rather than everyone playing uh, top tier decks, which is um, some sometimes has been the way that Pioneer has been is it's like it was all inverter players, breach players and, and uh, et cetera at one point because that the meta was just so stagnant and anything else was so unpolished that trying to take it into the league was just totally pointless. Um, but now I feel like we're moving in that direction. And since people have had time to play legacy and modern and, and revel in those new formats, you know, the, the format newness, they'll, they'll uh, come back here. And for anyone interested in it, this is a, this is a blast and a half. Um, having sideboard immortal sun and dragon Lord Silumgar and things of that nature. I mean, that's, that's super sweet. Um, I never actually got to use either of those. Uh, I did board them in at least once, um, but I, I think either I won those games too quickly or um, they just uh, didn't didn't come up. But yeah, it's, this is really, really cool. Um, for Modern, the lesson learned from this one is, yeah, Magda is incredibly good if you can put multiple other dwarves into play. So we never tried the, uh, or at least I never tried the Moth Dust Changeling versions of those decks, but I have a feeling that those were the, the right way to go with it. Oh, yeah. Because if you can get Magda generating treasures quickly, it's uh, it gets nutty. Absolutely. Yeah. I, this, this list, uh, I don't know. I feel like I got burned by Pioneer pretty hard. Uh, you know, I played a bunch yeah. of it, a bunch of it. And it just like, mm -hmm. you know, I was promised this fair, beautiful format where I could play old standard decks. And what I got was combo <laughs> winter. And, and don't get me wrong. I love combo. I even bought into the um, teamer Lotus field deck for a while, which I thought I would like. And I really didn't like. Uh, but the thing was, it just got really stagnant. You know, it was the same sort of stuff over and over. There wasn't much room for innovation. You really couldn't play a lot of your old standard decks because the fire design cards were so high power level. Um, but it feels like as things go on, we get enough fire cards that there's a little bit more room for breadth there. And so some of the newer cards like Magda might be able to prop up some of the older bad cards and yeah this list looks sweet uh maybe time for me to dip my toes back into pioneer yeah you forgot the most important thing brian and that's that all the new fire cards are getting banned that's well yeah that's that's fair <laughs> that is even the fairy is gone now that's a huge deal oh oh yeah you know i mean i would not be sad if the fairy went in modern just just thrown out through the world you know like not not a fan of that card yeah, well, that would be uh, quite quite an interesting direction for them to go. I I, I mean, I already think that the control decks are having a, a time, but yes, it is obnoxious. That that is for sure. But yeah, this is I'm you know these bands are great and just even just getting to play a little bit of Pioneer in the Faithless Community League too. You know, just nonsense is much more viable. I mean, you still there's still mono green walkers, which as it turns out will crush your nonsense pretty well. Uh, so that was. You know, uh, turn turn three Nissa uh, with double turn three Nissa, not the most fun, but you know every every format needs a boogeyman. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the it's the Tron of of that format. Basically. <laughs> uh, Except I, tier one. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I love I love playing that deck in. Uh, oh yeah. Pioneer. It's just a blast and a half. Um, but for Pioneer, I'm I'm super interested in revisiting things like um, Seasons Past, and. Um, uh, some of the other decks. I saw someone playing a sweet Jund deck, which is like, it looked like they were trying to be the new Sultai midrange deck. Um, Jund and Black Red midrange have both been very, you know, decks have been very close to being viable. Um, big Red was uh, was a big player for a little while right at the beginning of uh, 
of the format. So we'll we'll see if this sort of return to nature uh, in in Pioneer is uh, is particularly good. And it looks like we have another sweet vehicle deck here. Uh, I actually we got another couple, but um, I I think this this does lean into something that I was particularly trying to curate. Um, so we've got a, a list that's playing Oval Chase Dragster and Fleetwheel Cruiser. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna jump in real quick before you get on this, you know, oh, yeah. super interesting uh, monologue in which you know you, Brian, you're like the one like we say faithless, uh, we say um, Serum uh, Visions takes things into like you know the drags, just like the competitive fringes of modern, and like you definitely like out of all of us, you definitely like take that motto the most to heart with some of these <laughs> lists that, you know, like it, I'm I'm very impressed that you know you come up with these lists and you take them into the queues and you know you do relatively well. Uh, you know, these are, <laughs> this is, these are, this is the dregs and, you know, this is, this is the fringes. Uh, and He's you got know, the biggest you, brewer's heart. Yeah. Yeah. You are maybe the biggest glutton for punishment. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, whatever, <laughs> however you want to say it. But like, I look at some of these lists, it's like, kind of wish I was brave enough to take these into leagues. But, you know, I've, after being burned by Mardu Ox again, it's kind of like, oh, you know, like this, do I really want to just get crushed by better decks? I, you know, I don't know if it's bravery or stupidity. I just, uh, I'm, I'm hopelessly optimistic that some of these are going to work out. You know, it's, it's way too easy for me to rationalize how this will work out. And I just completely skate past the fact that like there are, you know, a thousand failure modes that are far more likely. So, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's just kind of how things work. Just if you're not optimistic, like everything fails, like if you're not optimistic, you know, you're still going to fail the same amount as everybody else. Yeah. You're just going to be sad about it. That's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, this uh, this list was inspired by looking at the vehicles with haste, namely the Oval Chase Dragster and the Fleet Wheel Cruiser. Uh, and as Zach said, I, I believe Fleet Wheel Cruiser is a player in Vintage where they have uh, faster mana. Um, and so that was kind of uh, where the idea for this came from. Um, I figured, you know, while the cheaper vehicles are appealing due to the stat lines, they're also hindered by those super expensive crew costs. And after being burned by the Abzan brew, uh, I decided I wanted to kind of try cheaper uh, crew costs. And so these four drops are much lower crew cost at one and two. Uh, they do come in with haste. And uh, at least in the case of the Fleet Wheel Cruiser, it crews itself on ETB. So you, you get to attack the turn it comes down, even if you don't have something to crew it with. I figure with this in mind, I would go green and I would play a bunch of mana elves as an effective way to both ramp out the vehicles early and crew them in the late game. Um, you know, one of the big problems with a lot of mana dork decks is that uh, mana dorks are a bad top deck. And so I figure I could put them to work with uh, crewing vehicles. Uh, the big problem with this, though, is how easily mana dorks die. So, again, <laughs> I was in a situation where I had a bunch of vehicles and nothing to crew them with. Um, so, in addition to four uh, Oval Chase Dragster, four Fleet Wheel Cruiser, I played the full boat of Land of War Elves and Elvish Mystic. I also added in two Arbor Elves, and I leaned even harder into the Elves plan with uh, four Leyline of Abundance. I was kind of hoping I could get the T2 vehicle... Uh, and swing in immediately. So 
unsure of exactly how else I wanted to sort of flesh out the rest of this list, I decided to take a page from an old mono green control list that I used to play. I added three Trinospheres, some Crucible of Worlds, uh, Monvali Acid Moss, Acidic Slime, and uh, a metal Colo Metalwork Colossus as just a, a fun of on top. I, th I figured if I could get a couple vehicles out, as long as they weren't creatures, the Metalwork Colossus got a little bit cheaper, and so I had an additional threat that didn't require being crewed. The deck was pretty bad for the meta. The Mana Dorks died <laughs> super consistently. I ran into a bunch of Prowess and Burn uh, or red-black decks that were able to Fatal Push the Dorks. I don't think that I got any T2 vehicles out um, because none of the Dorks lived. Even if I had the you know nuts opener of like a Leyline of Abundance, a land, you know, a Mana Dork or two, and then a bunch of vehicles just never got to utilize uh, a single mana dork um, didn't make me any mana and didn't crew anything i think i would maybe consider trying the deck again in a less burn heavy or removal heavy meta so if people are you know drag racing i think it might actually be a little bit better um but yeah as yeah. of right now yeah i mean it's clear. pretty you know i think Definitely Bray. I think, like you said, it's probably just a little bit of a bad timing. It's always interesting when, like, I think this also holds pretty true, just, like, when maybe a new set is released or, you know, just, like, they form a shaken up with bands. For the first couple of days, it's, you know, general, it's extra, extra nonsense. You know, these, are, these are the good times. But then, like, maybe, you know, four to seven days later, like, maybe close to a week, Burn and Red Decks, they're just, like, boop. They just pop up, and they are everywhere, you know? I faced... One of my leagues, I faced Burn three times, and then Blue Red Prowess once, and then I think the last one was Green Tron. But like they're, you know, during during uncertain times like these, you can always count on your turn to Eidolon. Uh, and yeah, so I think it was just a bad timing thing. But it, I do I do love the concept, and you know, just locking down your opponent and then beating them with like big fat haste creatures is kind of what Eldrazi like in the similar to Serum Powder Eldrazi. Uh, so I do, you know, I, I have a soft spot for these sort of decks, and I, I do love this idea. Yeah, I wonder if maybe playing more big threats instead of the, like, Acid Moss and the Acidic Slime is the way to go with that. I kind of thought maybe Disruption would be helpful. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't really sure where to go with that abundance of mana, but, yeah, maybe some Eldrazi or something else, uh, just big, big beaters would be a good way to go. Yeah, I mean... Take this and turn it into a mono green Eldrazi shell. Like that, you know, that seems pretty intriguing. Just like, Mattery Shaper is kind of terrible, but also, you know, kind of nice defense. And then you can use your Mattery Shaper to crew your things. Like, you can cast Thought Knots here, take a thing, crew a Dragster, swing for five next turn. You know, like Reality Smasher, like you're swinging for ten. You kind of get a free splash color too. So you, you can choose basically anything because of the uh, Pain Lands. They're kind of tri-lands mm -hmm. for colorless, so I don't know which color you would want to take with this, um, but you have plenty of options. White, obviously, would give you access to the um, displacer. Uh, Armored Armored or, or yeah, Eldrazi Displacer. I mean, there's there's just a lot of directions you could take that, um, so th that's probably worthy of consideration as well. Yeah, in the in the uh, Eldrazi Discord a while ago, you know, I was huge on Serum Powder Eldrazi and Discord and like, you know, during Phoenix Winter, just kind of brewing it and just messing around with things. A lot, of, I don't know if anyone was brave enough, but a lot of people talked about putting in a Fleet Wheel Cruiser uh, as like Reality Smashers, just like uh, 
7 or Reality Smashers 5 through 8 uh, was something that came up. Nobody was brave enough because, you know, it dies a bolt, but it, it always came up and you know, maybe in a show like this it could be a little bit more conducive. Yeah, and the nice thing about if you're staying in the colorless space is you could run um, ancient stirrings to find your pieces that you need. Ooh, ooh, loving, loving it. Love yeah, that. in spite of the poor f performance, this one felt like there was actually a little bit more space to brew. Um, I do think that you know one of my takeaways is is that the higher cost vehicles with the lower crew cost are are probably better. I think that the crew cost, the the super high crew cost, is a trap uh, in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. That. I mean, you have to play the specific enablers. So yeah. if you're not going to do that, then it, it becomes very uh, difficult. They they basically, um, they, when they were talking about uh, the vehicle design, they were saying initially it was um, based on number of creatures that you crewed, not the power. And the reason that we have the vehicles we do today is because uh, the the um, the playtesting people who were eyeing towards the, this being something that could possibly be competitive said, listen, if you ever put a crew cost of two creatures mandatory on something, it's not going to see any play. If something requires it to be crewed by two creatures, then it's not going to see any play. You need to have things that are crewable by mm. a single creature. Um, yep if you want them to be playable. And I think that's generally held to be true. Now, there are times like with the Magda synergy where you have an excuse to use two different creatures and you're already paying, you're already playing a, a high enough density of, of the one-shot creature crewing effects that you're okay. But yeah, I, I think that's probably, you, you're probably reaching the same conclusion from, from that direction of if you have to use two or three mana dorks to crew something, you're just gonna be up a creek with that pretty quickly. Um, no surprise that one of the most egregious things about Smuggler's Copter was the Crew 1. If it had been Crew 2, it would have been a, a little bit of a different story, I think. Yeah, I, that's a, you know, a really good point, actually. You know, I mean, <laughs> kind of reflects what we've noticed, that, like, these big crew things were traps where, you know, it's great when it works and it makes great stories and it's a lot of fun just doing these crazy swings, but then they fail to push your Ox and your SOL. I think one last thing I want to mention... Uh, in this like mono green list we've kind of been you know theory crafting and building on Karn the great creator you know like he can animate your stuff like he'll animate your vehicles and he'll you know oval chase dragster becomes instead of a 6-1 it's a 4-4 trample haste like that's kid pretty okay like 4-4 trample is solid you know if if um uh, if thought not sierra had trample it'd probably be busted as hell yeah that, that's a fair point fair point and again ancient stirrings finds Karn yeah yeah exactly so you know this is uh, kind of like a, you know a more aggressive mono green tron that doesn't mulligan as well but also you know it's not mono green tron so it seems pretty fun and then wizards won't tweet at us <laughs> you, you guys are uh you guys are tricking me into trying this again i'm like oh, oh yeah our, this sounds good i like it that's our job brian you know maybe one day you will not be so gullible but while you are gullible and optimistic <laughs> i feel like it is it is zach's and i do it like while you're being the one who's willing to like register these decks i feel like it's kind of zach's my responsibility to encourage you like oh you know this time i promise we won't pull the football up from under you brian and and remember when he does find a great deck we get to be like oh you know i could hop on board with that deck that i helped design I think, oh yeah i think I, I might i might be willing to go 5-0 league with the same thing brian 5-0 the league with man I'm you know, you, you, uh, good work, buddy. I mean, good, good <laughs> on ideas, but, uh, you know, you really did the, the legwork. Well done. Uh, I'm going to go run with this now. 
When Brian finally trophies with one of these lists, we're going to have to have a huge celebration for just his tenacity and his uh, his <laughs> perseverance. I'll get an MP3 of the, the air horn. The burr, 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 burr. Nice. All right. <laughs> now I have goals. I've got goals now. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you, you, you've never quit on my boy, Urza. Uh, so you also did an Urza vehicle deck. I did. What is, yeah. what is this nonsense? Uh, Hold on. Just got to say, once again, Brian is carrying the team on his back. <laughs> I know he really is. I mean, it's it's uh, you you folks who are in the listener world, you don't understand how much logistical work that Brian does to keep this podcast going. I mean, I don't know it either, but you know, I assume it's very complex, and it's not just dragging and dropping a single file to a single website. No, 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 no. no. There's a uh, there's a lot of um, ins and outs and what have you. Paperwork, logistics, stamping, you know, getting the inter the international yeah. the international uh, uh, permits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got people from all over the place, you know, and don't even get into California safety laws. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the packaging for Serum Visions, but I, I, I believe it contains chemicals that have been known to cause uh, cancer. So uh, yep. we got the label on there. That was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Brian told me a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what about this, uh, vehicles deck? Does this, this Urza vehicles deck, does this need to be labeled with any warnings? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you should always take any of my lists with a grain of salt. When I come back with a 5 <laughs> then you can pay a little bit more attention. Um, this one was just, you know, I can't not jam things into Urza shells. Uh, it's a lot easier to get away with bad artifacts when you've got Urza at your top end and you run <laughs> things like Whirr or Metallic Rebuke to make use of them. Um, and when you're running Whirr or some of the other artifact tutors, you can get away with a lot less of the bad artifacts. So uh, in this case, I went with three Consulate Dreadnought and three Colossal Plow. I uh, took the two Peacewalker Colossus from the Abzan list because it was doing so well. And to round out the rest of the artifacts package, I had a smattering of Whirr targets, Thopter Sword combo, and uh, two copies of Armed and Armored because... Uh, I figured, you know, hey, if we get a couple of vehicles down, sometimes we just want to swing in with the team. Uh, uh, you know, sudden sudden swing. Uh, and because the meta was pretty burn and prowess heavy, I added one Teferi 3 and one Kaya Orzov Usurper, which just like sidebar here for a second, that card is sweet and I think should be seeing mm-hmm. a little bit more play right now. Uh, just being able to exile those prowess creatures and gain life is super relevant and overperformed every time it came out yeah when mono red prowess uh first came out i was playing niv mizzet at the time and i had uh kaya in my deck and there was a game where i went turn two helix turn three kaya and they just scooped it up i mean it really (laughs) it really puts a hurt on them and then they have to uh they have to take it down or otherwise they're in trouble you got some battle at the bridge in your main deck here too that's excellent gotta get that life gain you know Oh yeah, I love battle. Battle was my go-to in these artifact decks until someone enlightened me about collective brutality. And man, that card is so good. I love collective brutality. It's very good against uh, burn, especially being able to grab a card out of their hand for the same tempo as you're killing their creature, as you're gaining some life. Yep. Oh Um, yeah, so good. My my suspicion, Brian, and uh, immediate suggestion before you get into things is. I think there's probably a lot of affinity or similar creatures that you could have been playing here to help you out. Um, I don't know if these planeswalkers really help your plan all that much, but tell me, tell me how this went down because this looks nutty. Uh, well, it was actually pretty sweet. 
Um, I wanted to get a feel for the vehicles, so I, I put a few more in than I think I would have normally. Uh, I probably would have only run like one or two Consulate Dreadnought and uh, one or two of the Plow. I'm a little bit higher on the Plow, but uh, with Urza making mana, I don't know that it's like super necessary or, or going to be all that great other than the life gain. Um, Plow did prove to be a much better vehicle than the Dreadnought in my experience, uh, so it might even mm. cut it entirely. Uh, being a one-drop artifact is like semi-relevant for some things, but I think there's just better one-drops. Wait, so why was Plow better than the Dreadnought? Like, what were the conditions? Uh, it was really just about the life gain and the mana. Um, you know, the mana, like I said, with Urza out is not as relevant, but if Urza isn't out uh, and you have a chance to, to make use of it, um, like, for example, if you have three blue and then you can somehow push the plow, you get another three and you could wear for a three drop. Um, so mm. that's, that's where it was kind of handy. But uh, yeah, overall, I don't know. Dreadnought just continues to disappoint me. Um, it's sweet when it works, but it's pretty bad otherwise. Uh, Peace Walker Colossus, again, pretty awesome. I did were for Peace Walker Colossus a couple of times and then used that to crew a plow, uh, and that was pretty sweet. Um, basically, Peace Walker Colossus was my go-to were target if I didn't already have some piece of the combo in play. Um, Whoa. Yeah, it was it was a lot better than I expected. Um the uh, oh the other the other thing about the plow mana is that uh the deck being many colorless spells it was a lot uh better able to capitalize on that mana mm -hmm. um i didn't have a ton of three drops i just had ensnaring bridge and the peace walker colossuses uh colossi but you know that was enough or like if i had a black mana up i could pay the x cost on battle of the bridge so um that's why i think i like that a little better how old are the witching wells i know like as Urza devotees, we are always mourning the loss of Astrolabe and Witching Well as, you know, one of the replacement, like one of the better replacements for it. How, how was that in that list? And how was that in this list? Yeah, so Witching Well is, I'm just going to say, when it first came out, I was like, this is garbage. I hate it. It's not Astrolabe. And I've reluctantly let it creep into my lists. And the longer I play with it, the more I like it. Um, I have found that especially if you're playing something like Emery or Luris to rebuy it, it's really good. I think it's especially good in Urza lists because you can often pay the cost to draw the cards and uh, then maybe recur it later with one of those creatures that I mentioned. The other thing about it is that in the Urza lists, particularly the combo-focused lists, the limiting factor on hitting the combo is finding your Urzas, and so scrying two when it enters the battlefield is actually pretty big. Um, one of the things that the old lists had with Astrolabe was just the ability to kind of draw through your deck faster. Uh, a lot of times you were playing things like Goblin Engineer and you're drawing you know, an extra two or three cards a turn sometimes because you're cycling Icar Wellsprings or Icar Wellspring and a Chromatic Star or something like that. And that was how you could draw draw to your, your Urzas. And so we could still do that right now, but I, I think I've been liking the well a little bit more because I don't 
I don't want to spend all the, the mana and rely on the Goblin Engineer. It eats a Bolt or it eats a Fatal Push, and then you're kind of dead in the water. The Witching Well is a little bit more resilient in that way. Um, and a Scry 2 isn't as good as a draw, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, in the when I was messing with the blue-green Urza list, uh, Urza list that Zach also tried, uh, you know, I put four Witching Well in just because overall good synergy. And I was I was pretty happy with the card. You know, I think... I, it's not quite astrolabe, but like you said, in some of these lists, you know, you kind of move your list so that Witching Well can be, you know, equivalent, if not better than astrolabe, especially if you don't care for the mana fixing. But I was also, you know, definitely pretty happy with Witching Well. And, you know, if I come up, when I come up, finally brew the Mono Blue, or the list that has been on my brain for a little bit, it's definitely going to have four Witching Well. So I'm just glad to see that, you know, you have a similar experience and have come to similar conclusions with the card. Yeah, it um, it works great in a fail state if you are playing Emery in the list, um, because then you you get the sort of superpower grind where your opponent is all of a sudden incredibly pressured to remove your Emery, um, because you're drawing an extra two cards <laughs> to every turn, which is you know incredibly good. Um, even when it's mana intensive, you can split it up over two turns, um, and the Scry two will always be relevant. So that's pretty good. And it um, taps for itself with Urza to pay its own cost, which is like gravy. Yeah, exactly. So getting back to this list really, really briefly, um, I feel like some of the larger affinity creatures, things like uh, Mirror Enforcer or, or whatever, maybe not specifically Mirror Enforcer, but something like along those lines could be useful here or uh, Master of Ethereum or et cetera. Um, I think pushing this more in an uh, affinity beatdown direction rather than this word direction, because this is the classic um, foible in deck construction that I've seen of like, this is this is a, a Thopter Sword word deck with Urza that, you, I mean, you, you put in all these other cards that just don't add to that strategy at all. So much like my Pioneer deck, it's, it's this, this deck is pulling in two directions, and I'd like to see it push specifically in the direction of, okay, let's imagine we are trying to crew these vehicles. We're trying to be a beatdown deck with Urza at the top. And I know that we we all had uh, kind of mediocre results uh, with those. Actually, surprisingly good, to, to be perfectly frank, considering we, we were doing this, you know, six months ago in that format, um, the, the, the affinity decks we played were not awful. Um, so I, 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 I do wonder if we, we can't um, make that happen in this way and, and try to play something less controlling, more more aggressive um, with maybe some Blink Moths or Ink Moths or, or what have you in the mana base and then um, some a lot more creatures. Um, and uh, you still get to take advantage of um, having these vehicles sitting around that you can crew. Um, obviously, I don't. I don't think we should go as far as to play something like Frogmite, but I think Mirror Enforcer could actually be in the right place. Where if you could play it for, you know, even even for two mana, you don't have to get the full rebate of seven, but uh, that could be a place to go. Well, the the interesting thing with that is that if we say cut the Consulate Dreadnoughts and we go up to the full four plow, you know, that plow mana can help you pay also. So if you can somehow crew the plow, you know, that's free three mana to put towards your expensive artifact creature. So that that's actually a really great idea. Yeah, just just to yeah, just to, to go in the other direction rather than trying to have this interactive uh were prison or were were Thopter Lord uh, sword line in there. Anyway, food for thought. So wait you're telling me, Zach, that we gotta add a playset of Lupine Prototype in this deck because it can crew the plow, almost. That's not what I said, but it's uh, uh, can can it? Isn't it four <laughs> pow- five power? 
I, I mean, it's yeah, it is. It's one away, but you know that. Yeah, this is. I'm not sure if you said this or not, but I agree with Brian. This is what I heard. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it came out <laughs> as. It's not what I intended to say, but I'm sure. Um, uh, but I think there's probably a good number of uh, of creatures that could really make this come together. Um, and then Master of Ethereum, if you have other artifact creatures, not only is it going to be large, it's making your other artifact creatures bigger. So if you were playing things like Memnite, if you were playing things like Frogmite, um, you know, those are not necessarily the greatest use of a card until you realize Master of Ethereum doubles the size of a Memnite and uh, increases the size of Frogmite by 50%, and all of a sudden you're getting much closer to crewing these things and having a large Master of Ethereum to beat down with, so... Um, maybe the the vehicle affinity overlap is what we were really looking for uh, in terms of um, the affinity decks we were trying to build. You could also get something sweet going on with um, cranial plating. Mm-hmm. You could equip cranial plating something like an ornithopter, crew your giant vehicle, move it for one mana to another creature, crew your giant vehicle, and then go to attack, move it onto the vehicle, get in there. So... I'm not. Right. I'm not saying we've created the greatest cranial plating deck of all time, in theory, but it's possible. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now you're speaking my language. Oh yeah. I mean, so I, this sounds amazing, and you know, I, you didn't say this, but you definitely like you implied this that there's a line where you can go turn one Memnite, uh, Consulate Dreadnought, turn two a Lupine Prototype, swing for seven, and that sounds right up my alley all right and (laughs) i believe (laughs) i believe this deck is actually very good in this theoretical deck we were creating is very good at emptying its hand Um, yep now i'm not saying we should cut the urzas but i am saying that maybe similar to the previous one we're going to find out that urza is actually one of the more difficult things to be doing in this shell and if we do that we're going to be really good at emptying our hand which would actually mean the lupine prototype itself can attack um we also now have the opportunity to play something like Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas in the main deck if we wanted to. I know, I know, I know. I know, we're, we're going down that same, oh, same jank. No, don't do this to um, me. That same jank no. uh, hole that we usually do. Um, you could also do Tezzeret the Seeker. This is the five-mana Tezzeret. It has a plus. This is untap up to two target artifacts. So if you had one creature that was quite large, you could crew a vehicle, then untap it with your Tezzeret plus, then crew another vehicle. You could also use Karn the Great Creator in a similar way. Um, Normally, so. is Brian suggesting these cards? You know, if we're if we're gonna have if we're gonna have trouble emptying our hand with Urza, I don't see how this <laughs> no. is gonna help us. No, no, I no, I agree. Well, we, we can play less than four of it. I think is my point with that one mm. is that we can play less than four of it, and it immediately turns a artifact of yours, so like a Mox Amber or a Welding Jar, into a five-five that can itself attack or crew other things. So like unlike Urza, it's sort of a, a hasty five as well as being a card advantage engine so um maybe i will have to come up with some of this jank myself um i like either this a mono blue or a blue black shell i mean uh, affinity vehicle smackdown is uh is potential I, I just have one more terrible idea that's been on my brain uh, forever love it uh, if you have a tezzard agent of bolus and you have five artifacts in play and if you have a veto thorn of dusk rose in play, uh, if you ultimate, that is lethal. Uh, target player loses X life, and you gain X life, where X is twice the number of artifacts you control. Which, of course, veto will make four times. It's just gonna double that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's uh. 
That's kind of nutty. And you don't even need to activate Ugh. it because, of course, you don't need to give your Tevzer a yep. lifelink. It's already doing the, the life gain half. That's that's a thing. That's a it thing. Is. Also, <laughs> um, you could you could also play Cranial Plating and um, what's the name of the little dude with the Phyrexian Black? Uh, Vault Scourge. Ooh. Vault Scourge. Ooh. Vault Scourge Cranial Plating is, of course, um, one of Burn's nightmare scenarios from the Affinity days. Uh, <laughs> Before they had Lava Dart, this was something that they would actually have to deal with and be kind of annoyed about, and uh, it always had the potential of sneaking it through. So, you know, um, that's not impossible. Um, All right. Sounds like we have a great way to burn a lot of tickets oh, yeah. in a very fun manner. Yeah, I think, I think next time we each <laughs> could come back with an Urza deck and see. Because this is something I was thinking about as Brian was actually talking about this list is we haven't played any Urza in this new format. At least I haven't. And uh, even even classic were Yeah, but even classic Thopter Sword actually might be quite good right now. Yep. Yeah. Who knows? Um, you know, we, we obviously have to stilt it towards being able to beat things like Tron, but I think this might be time for um, just straight-up blue-black control-style Thopter Sword to come back. Um, Jeskai, as Contra Ego has been playing recently, might be reasonable. Um, so, you know, or that. Mono Blue with Paradoxical Outcome uh, and Undaitake the Cloud Keeper. Let's go! Yeah, that's what I was messing with last night. I, I want to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it, but... Ooh. Well, you're gonna do it with uh, the new fabulous old border paradoxical. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's I I just want to make clear that the that's the only thing this deck was missing was the old bordered paradoxical. Otherwise, it was great. Oh, 100. percent And then you you can play play it with white with monastery mentor to get jiggy on board. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go mono blue because I want untai dake. I want I just once I want a dream start of turn one untai dake, turn two Cymox ember yes. with uh, hold up metallic rebuke. That's all I want in life. Now, Untaidake does enter the battlefield tapped, is that correct? Sadly. And then it's an ancient tomb for legends? Good yep. lord. All right, well, <laughs> I, I won't be playing that card, but suffice to say that we've got some uh, inspiration going, so this is exciting. So do we have any final thoughts on vehicles? Yeah. Uh, I, th I think, you know, I think we've said it, and, you know, you've, both of you have made the good point that these big crew things are a trap. Uh, and Giant Ox is probably a trap in modern, but these affinity lists could be pretty sick. Yeah, I, I think for me, the big takeaway is that vehicles are just incredibly fair. They die to creature removal when they're crude, they can be hated out with stony silence, pithing needle, shatter effects, and they make you jump through hoops to enable them or utilize them effectively. And so I think that they're a neat tool, and if we continue to see cards that encourage us to play them, um, you know, they'll, they'll improve, hopefully. But I think that they're just maybe a little bit too fair for what Modern is looking to do. And I think that's part of why the uh, Pioneer list was a lot more successful. That said... Mm. Uh, you know, I think that maybe there's some some space in that mono green list uh, idea, or um, some space in the affinity list ideas. So you know, I think it's worth continuing to push on it, but uh, it's definitely not an un uh, it's it's not an easy problem to solve. Mm. Really well said. Yeah, Zach. I I actually I actually would not say that I think it's necessarily a trap. I um. I think they're definitely very fair. Um, they're fun, and they're not... I mean, they're exciting in that um, you have the ability, like the red-white uh, dwarves deck, 
these these can be leveraged to good effect. Um, it is a little more difficult and uh, maybe more restrictive than would be um, fun. There, there's again, there's a reason that um, the the uh, looter scooter the um, was was uh, the best card in a format is because it was an artifact that literally any creature could crew and then has haste. So like that shows off the the most powerful that a vehicle can be um and the rest of these are just a lot more restrictive than that but as i said uh they, they do have a, a heavy heavy potential to be great but uh just steer clear of the fatal push metagame uh, because that will uh, take you off the road pretty quickly all right well um with the vehicles in the rear view mirror for now let's take a little break and when we come back uh let's hear a little bit about some of these breach exploits Stay with us. Welcome back. So, um, Arun, it sounds like you breached it again. Oh, yeah. You know, just, I don't, like like I said already, this deck, I don't know what it is about. Uh, Lazav Breach. I guess the real, like, drug that kind of keeps me going back is you get those situations where you're against, like, blue-white control, and, you know, they've got a Teferi on board. Like, they just plus it up to three. They're empty, they have one card in hand, they cast a Jace, they, but they have to bounce, you know, like a Croaks, or they have to bounce your Luris, uh, and then they pass, and then, you know, like, they're going to, they're about to snowball, like, right, just like they have, they're going to be brainstorming every turn, they have a Teferi for removal, they have Teferi out, you know, they're, they're just, they're about to snowball, but all you need to know is that you can draw one Breach, or you can even draw an Unearth, and you have Luris in the graveyard, and with the Grinding Station, and you can just straight up just, you know, win, and, you know, you almost a game that almost feels like you have no right to win because they're just about to take over and that's happened like a plethora of times and i you know just feel so good to crush a control deck when they're about to you know crush you uh kind of out of nowhere and i think that's the drug that really uh really gets me like you know just i can't stop quitting uh but like i so to kind of go through things i started with you know like so new new modern new format new me new life uh I wanted to, you know, we got to try this resolve croaks a breach list again because it didn't, nothing got banned from it, and I kind of suspect it'd still be good. Uh, you know, always got to start with the bad lists. So there's kind of six flex spots for like what the one drops are, and for this list, for this time, I tried three Springleaf Drum and three Magda. Magda as a Mox Amber enabler, Drum is a little extra ramp, and then you know Magda plus Drum is always fun. Uh, I was a. I wound up going one four in that league. This was the first league I played in New Modern. Uh, all the losses were one two squeakers, and this is something that I get. You know, I actually I guess asked sometimes. Like I'll hear a lot of people ask it for, about Faithless Brewing too. Is you know just like the feel of a deck and like the concept of a feel of a deck. And so even though I won four this league, the deck felt super strong and like my losses were close and the deck felt great. And there'd be some games where it did you know just. You have Crooks and Lazav going on turn two. You've got a Breach in your hand, so you're just one grinding station away from winning on the spot while you're swinging for like 12 and they're discarding two cards a turn. When you get games like that, it, you know, just attacking on so many axes, it feels like you're playing a totally different format, which is, 
you know, sweet and I very much love. Uh, so the feel was great, but the league was a 1-4. The losses were close. Uh, unsurprisingly, Drum was medium. It was kind of okay. Magda was pretty terrible. But Magda plus Drum was pretty sweet. You know, just being able that the deck is super mana-hungry, which I definitely figured. Uh, and, you know, I thought maybe I'd try this. And it's just a little too much dissynergy. And once again, Magda, you know, everything eats fatal pushes. And, you know, like your Lazav gets pushed and you play a Magda. That doesn't feel great because, like, Magda's not very much of a threat. Uh, so I kind of thought about this a little bit. And, you know, like, okay, uh, what would we want to replace Magda with? And, I don't know, somehow I just thought of Bob. Good old Dark Confidant. And, uh, you know, 2-1, uh, greatness at any cost. And he just... Best flavor text in Magic, honestly. And with this, uh, and so it's like, okay, you know, just like, you know, like turn one, like turn two, you play Kroxa. Kroxa's probably going to eat a push because your opponent is scared, which is fair because, you know, like if I go turn three Mox Amber Kroxa, the opponent is pretty much going to lose on the spot. Uh, so Lazav always eats a push, and then so Lazav eats a push, you follow it up with a Bob. If that Bob sticks, you know, like, I'm like, that sounds pretty good to me. And so I dropped, so I dropped down to two Drum and four Bob. Uh, in the list and we got the trophy which was like really exciting uh it was it felt sweet it was and it was definitely not a soft five out like sometimes like you know with the kinnon deck uh, with the kinnon karn arayo deck uh the, that trophy felt a little soft you know i definitely had some lucky breaks and opponents just kind of you know got wrecked uh but this one you know uh around one i beat four colors cape shift around two i beat blue white stone blade then I faced White Black Hammer Time, uh, which was, you know, a crazy good matchup because you play 4 EE between main deck and side. Versus Hammer Time, I actually totally sided out Crooks and Lazav. And I just sided all my removal and my EEs. And that was a beautiful strategy. It worked much better than I intended, uh, which was pretty sweet. And then I beat Dredge and I beat Green White Heliod to get the trophy. You know, I did have some lucky breaks. You know, I think against game one uh, versus Hammer Time, I drew both of the explosives that were main decked because I had two in the sideboard. But it, you know, this is match the gathering, and you can't really get a trophy without having one or two lucky breaks. Uh, and then, as I, you know, the interesting thing was that Bob actually completely overperformed for me. I thought I thought he'd be good, but he was insane. And then he just like drawing cards. It helps you. The average CMC of this deck was 1.07, uh, so you know it was almost like almost always free. Uh, you know, it just stays there. It draws you cards. They don't have the removal. It just snowballs quickly. And then I think what really you know, just kind of ties it out what Bob made, what made Bob so good is that, you know, I think, and Faithless Brewing is pretty, <laughs> Dan and Dan and Dave and Damon are pretty famous for just making these decks that draw a bunch of cards and get an, an absurd amount of value, and then you lose the game with eight cards in your hand, which is like, you know, I mean, <laughs> and I've, you know, I think we've all kind of made decks like that, but the thing I realized was that with Breach and Grinding Station, it's just, you know, it's four card, two color, two card combo that takes four mana and just wins the game on the spot so you know it's like it's just very it has high synergy so instead of drawing card you're like you're drawing extra cards a turn but you're just drawing towards you know like unearth lurses just like you're just drawing towards a very cheap four mana win the game sometimes even three mana if, you, if, it's, if it's unearth and luris and also yeah, being croaks and lazav being so just condensed too, just like everything you know it's just very threat dense and bob draws more threats uh, so that was that actually felt insane uh 
Unfortunately, like we talked about, Watsi, like Brian hit it, or I don't forget which one you said it, but you hit it on the head that someone forgot to download the text file and upload it to a different text file or to a different thing. Because uh, like Zach has mentioned, it has happened before, and I think I've been uh, slighted once or twice, uh, which is, you know, it happens. Uh, but then, so I felt really good about this, but, you know, in terms of iterating, I kind of wanted to ask the question, what is it if we breach without Kroxa? You know, like, what if I take out Croaks and Dissolve? Like, a lot of the breach lists, like, especially the Jeskai ones, you know, they're breach or bust. Uh, and I kind of decided, you know, I should, I should try these out. And so I came up with the list. Uh, it's still Grixis. It has 21 lands. Uh, it has four Stitcher Supplier, which I was super, super curious about because, you know, that card is pretty busted. Uh, and then the initial list, I had four Thought. It was uh, 21 lands, four Bobble, four Amber, four Supplier. Four Stitcher Supplier, four Unearth, four, four Thought Scour, four Breach, four Grinding Station, one Oracle, four Lurus, four Emery, and like two EE. And so the goal was kind of, you know, like, let's turn our graveyard into our hand. And let's, you know, we're just going to try and unearth Lurus and get everything in the graveyard and kind of win. Uh, that I took out that first draft. Uh, interest, I got a 2-3. Pretty interestingly, Thought Scour was like beyond atrocious. Uh, getting the blue was definitely like not great for the mana base and was pretty useless otherwise because you're so black and, and especially black heavy now. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, just uh, the the effort, the the cost, the, you know, just getting the two cards in the grave of drawing a card. One mana is pretty expensive. I'd rather just place Titter Supplier and get three down. And so I wound up going two, three. The deck actually felt great. Uh, Stitcher Suppliers and Insane Magic Card, of course, it actually won me a bunch of games against Burn. Uh, because it just blocks and mills your stuff, then you unearth it, you get it back, and it blocks again, and they have to bolt it, or like they lose their swift spear damage, and then you just kind of win. So that that actually felt amazing. Uh, but every single loss was to graveyard hate, or like some some form of hate cards. There's just no plan B. You are all in, and you know, like it's like it was sweet. Like I won all five game ones. Like it was, they were they were not very close, and the the deck felt kind of insane. But there was having no backup plan. Uh, you know, every almost every deck has like some form of graveyard or artifact hate. Is there a crazy, crazy line in this deck with Alter, Unearth, Mox Amber, and Croxa? If, if you have an Alter in play, if you unearth yep. Croxa, sorry, and a Breach. Uh, okay, this is a lot of cards, but but, but bear with me. If most of these can be in your graveyard, though, so you have an Alter in play, you have an Underworld Breach. You play your Underworld Breach. Now you can play a Mox Amber, use the black mana, assuming you have it, although if you don't, you'll have to find a black mana, play on Earth, get back Croxa, and then Mill you six. can, uh, you don't, I mean, you don't need, well, you don't, the Unearth saves you, yeah, you get back the Croxa, then you mill yourself for six. You need two Ambers in the graveyard, and yeah, yeah, you need two yeah this is another loop. So this is actually, the one I posted here is, this is an iteration that I'm going to get to in a moment. Right. But, uh, but but the, the point is, there is a potential to get some loops out of this, depending on how big your graveyard yeah, is and how yep. much mana you have floating around. And then, because in the previous version of this deck that I played, um, what people often miss against this deck is, you said having the, the backup plan for, for, for Grinding Breach is important. And I agree with you. But also, having the ability to have a plan that is 
it does use your graveyard, but it doesn't rely on decking them or or milling out your own Thassa's Oracle is also really good. And so that's what this enables is that you can cast Croxa over and over and over again with a breach in play in a single turn by just filling your graveyard a pretty good amount before that turn and then just killing them with it. Because a lot of people in, in modern will put themselves down to 15 or 12, which is five Croxa casts, depending on how many cards they have in your hand. And you have been casting and escaping a Croxa already. So hopefully you've got their hand uh, a little a little shaved down. Sorry, I just, I just uh, that I noticed that and I wanted to uh, hop in and get your thought on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was it was a thought I had, you know, like the, so I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but, you know, like, so I got a 2-3 and lost all sorts of hate. So this was the second variation where I cut the thought scours because, you know, they weren't great. And I needed the two things I wanted to solve, like you said, just like we need a, we need a plan B. And Croaks is a great plan B. And then additionally, you know, like would have be nice to have a sack outlet for Stitcher Supplier. Uh, you know, ideally, as Brian mentioned, Cabal Therapy and Modern Horizons 2, please. But uh, unfortunately... Uh, for now, before Not we... Not there yet. Yeah, so I tried Ultra of Dementia, because, you know, just for the reasons... It sacks Supplier, uh, and for the Zach, reasons Zach mentioned, it creates an alternate loop with Croxa, which is pretty sweet. And then, you know, actually, the last thing that was kind of unexpected is that by ha playing at least one Ultra of Dementia, you're now allowed to cast Thras's Oracle from your hand onto the battlefield before you combo off. Because uh, before... What you would have to do in order to do this is you would need extra cards in your graveyard, then you would have to uh, escape an injured explosive, blow it up, but you have to time the priority well because blowing up EE will also blow up your breach. Uh, so there, there's, there is a way to do it with the priorities. I've had to do it a couple times, uh, but you know, like not having to do that is pretty nice. Uh, yeah, Alter Brian? blanking all of the opponent's removal is also just like so sweet. I mean okay, go ahead, point whatever you want at my creatures, and I'm just going to sacrifice it to alter, and I get that incidental value from the mill. You know, the fact that it, it just further supports your own plan while also protecting your creatures is is just icing. Also, if you if you get backed into a corner, you have um, Stitcher Supplier plus Breach plus Alter. So if you're, like, looking for one more combo piece, let's say, yep. and you have... A reasonable amount of mana going on you can play underworld breach play the stitcher supplier out of your graveyard that costs you three cards but you mill three then you alter it which mills you one more then you get the trigger and you mill three more so each black mana you have adds four cards to your graveyard which could be super super relevant if you're just like okay i gotta find one grinding station and i have six mana and now I can do this a couple times and try to to um, put one in the yard where I can then cast it. Same with Unearth, same with Luris, same with like that, that. I mean, yeah, I can see this being very constructive to the overall plan here and, and in lots of veil space. I mean, this is like vaguely circling the, you know, sort of Hogak-esque deck feel. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this was playing with Alter and some of these recursive creatures uh, was is definitely high on my list of things to do after playing the Legacy deck. So I, I really love the way that this is shaping up. Yeah, so this is, I do need to mention too, like I, I got this inspiration from you, Brian. Like you mentioned that Ultra of Dementia is like a card you loved when we did our Legacy week. And it's like, okay, you know, I'll try it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give some really big bad news and I'm going to say that Ultra was actually super lackluster in this list. Yeah, it feels like it could be. It's just it was, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All I mean, it opens up look impressive. Yes, I agree. I mean, I it's you know in my brain and like just you mentioned you know all the virtues. Like I'm like holy shit, I'm a genius. 
And then you, <laughs> and then you I'm add a it. genius of this totally pointless idea. I pretty much sideboarded them out every game. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it, it's cute. It's a great idea, but it you know it's kind of slow and clunky, and it you know just doesn't always work the way that you think it's going to. Uh, so the league I took with this, uh, I wound up getting a. 3-2, and it felt, you know, the deck felt pretty much the same. I still lost to Hate. Kroxa did give me the option to beat Hate a couple times, which was nice. Uh, but, and it made me realize that Kroxa was a huge part of this deck to begin with. But, you know, it didn't solve the, it didn't solve the issue. I remember, like, I'd play, like, playing games with them uh, at the Kroxa Lizard Breach list. And I've, you know, I actually beat Jun Death Shadow through, they had Lurus and Nile Spellbomb, and I had, I don't play creature removal. And I was able to just, you know, like bait them with something and then get them one turn to make a miss, like, you know, bait them. They made a small misplay, and that gave me the ability for Lazab to copy Kroxa. They popped their Relic, or they popped their uh, Spellbomb, and then I was able to copy again in response to that. Uh, to retain it, and then that Kro Lazab Kroxa just took it away. So I remember being able to win through stuff like that. Uh, and this this list did not have that. So then, uh, you know. But I, I'm very happy that I went this route just to see. Okay, what's all this, what's this all in breach about? And the answer is, uh, you know, it's cool. But you need to deal. You need to find a better way to deal with hate. Uh, so after those two lists, I decided to go back to the Croxalazov list, having you know some more experience messing with other shells. And once again, I had the idea that sounded great at the time. I'm gonna put Peak in the flex spot because. You know, I'm a combo deck. I like to know what my opponents are playing. Like, I can play around things. Like, I can, you know, be all clever. I can be big galaxy brain combo player uh, if I know what their hand is. And I like to cantrip, so I'm going to play peak. Uh, let's see. Uh, then that one I got, in that league, I got a 2-3. Uh, so this is cutting altars and everything and going back to the Crooks and Lazavs. I got a 2-3, uh, but it would have been an easy 4-1 and maybe even a 5-0 if that peak were a Thoughtseize. <laughs> Uh, you know, turn one versus Titan, they multi six. You go, okay, sweet, I'm gonna peek, see what they got, you know, on the play. You go peek, and their hand is just like fluffed with, into a turn three Titan with no other relevant cards. And it's like, well, if I had a Thought Seize, I could take their Titan and they would be dead in the water. But instead, I just get to see that they have a Titan and then let them cast a Titan on turn three, uh, which is exactly what happened. And that felt really bad. And there were a number, there were a sad amount of situations where I would have just wanted that uh, that peak to be a thought seize, and it would have been so much better. And you know, like when, you know, sometimes sometimes you just gotta try these bad cards. You just has been stewing in my brain, like okay, peak is this great card. Like this, you know, you as a brewer sometimes, and I'd, I'd imagine like you, like Zach and Brian, like you also kind of feel this, just like, wow, there's this one card that nobody plays. Like, it seems like it'd be so good. Like, maybe I can, you know, break the form. Maybe I can be the one to be like, you know, I'll play this card and it'll be good. And I'll show everyone else that they've been sleeping on this. And then maybe, just maybe, there's a reason why that card's not super played. Yeah, it, it peak is one of those ones that comes up from time to time, uh, usually in the context of blue-white control, because sometimes they're looking for a fifth opt. Uh, maybe even a sixth opt. I've seen people go as high as two peaks. And it is funny. It's one of those cards that like people will be like, man, I just won that whole game because I had peak instead of opt. This card <laughs> is bananas. And then they'll go play four and they're like, no, it's not. What am I doing? This is so stupid. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it, but you're, the thing is, yeah, you're already playing black. So play play the better spells. Play at yeah. least Inquisition, if not Thoughtseize. But, I mean, 
you know, I do appreciate that in this deck, like, your own velocity is frequently more important in game ones, for sure, mm-hmm. than um, than taking away cards from their hand. But I think it's very possible that in game two and three, you just need some kind of discard um, to yep. either see what kind of hate is about to wreck your day or... Um, or otherwise, I, I do wonder if there is not some way you can set up so that like game one you have a very linear deck, and then game two you board in like seven discard spells to just like totally house them and yeah. um, play a little more slowly but more sort of dependably, and really like sculpt your your game plan to whatever removal or hatred that that you see coming in their hand. Yeah, I think that's a really good suggestion. Kind of you know what I settle down for the most part. I do want to say. It also feels really bad to go turn one thought seize and your burn opponent has an idol on I went turn one peak and they had an idol yeah. on in hand and it's just like, you know, like great. Oh, we're not winning that one, huh? Yeah, oh, okay. like well. once again if this if this were a thought seize, you know, I'd be in great shape. And engineer's explosive is gonna be a little slow in that situation, even yeah. if we were playing more copies of it, right? So So to kind of, you know, after taking all these lessons and Zach kind of hit the nail on the head that like, what if we made it a little less linear? I came up with, you know, the final Grixis Lazav breach list. Uh, so this one, I'm going to read it off. It's got three Bob, four Kroxa, three Lazav, one Oracle, four Emery, three Luris. You've got four Thoughtseize and three Unearths. Uh, and then you've got one EE, four Bobble, four Amber, three Grinding Station, four Breach, and 20 lands, including Orborg and a Witch's Cottage. Uh, Witch's Cottage has actually been insanely huge. Uh, I almost, I almost want to run two. There's this one point where I would have, if I, I was about to fetch Witch's Cottage, put Luris back, uh, untap, draw Luris, cast Luris, get Breach into uh, Grinding Station, and win that match. Unfortunately, my Stitcher supplier had milled <laughs> my Witch's Cottage, and so I was not able to do that line. But there were a bunch of games actually where Witch's Cottage just, like, it's also. Another one of those like little things that's really good to have against graveyard hate, where you can bait out them, you can bait them with a Nile spell bomb in response, crack it, grab a witch's cottage, you know, put your like Lazav on top. Again, you've got a Kroxa in hand, and then like they're gonna be in trouble. So those were some cool lines that were opened up. Uh, so this list I took into a league last night, and I got the four one. Uh, the deck felt yeah, the deck felt. I mean, it's kind of sad. Uh, I beat Grixis Death Shadow, I beat Esper Mentor, I beat Green Tron, so I was 3 out, you know, like, feel like deck was doing its thing, you know, beating these grindier decks. Uh, and then I lost to Red Green Belcher that just had the absolute nuts. Uh, you know, game one. One good combo deserves another, I guess. Yeah, like game two, they had Lay Down of Sanctity, and then they had the turn two win while they were on the draw. Oof. And that was, you know, like, what. I had I sighted in, in three Pything Needles, but mulled to six and didn't see any and kept a hand with Collective Brutality. Um, the thing I've been seeing is in some of your lists, it is possible that if you just cut the Lurises from the main deck, you could play it as a companion. Now, my Emery. counterpoint to myself... Yeah, my counterpoint... Oh, sorry, uh, in some of your lists. So that's what I was saying. Some of them weren't playing Emery. Um, obviously not in this one. But the counterpoint to that is, especially though, when you're playing Emery, but otherwise you're, you're milling yourself so much that you get a cheap cast on it with Unearth. And that's the mm-hmm. general yeah. wisdom you- of that. So I, I think that's great. I like these decks playing um, a lot more self mill with the Lazav. I don't. Li- I'm not a big fan of Lazav Kroxa as a deck concept unless you are milling yourself a lot more in yeah. order to be able to take advantage of it. I think that was the thing that was underwhelming to me in a lot of the lists I was playing before. But I'm I'm pretty interested in in taking this one out. Um, the one EE is the only thing that bothers me so much with the three grinding stations being in the deck. 
Is that like I I know late game though you're gonna mill through most of your deck so if you needed to find the EE you could uh, that's just one of those things that let, like when I see it I'm like oh ah ooh, yeah. it's eh. it's not I you have a good point you know my original list played three EE and those were great but mm. honestly thought seize covers you where like EE what you know EE is kind of like yeah. you're out for uh, you know maybe main deck Thali or like maybe main deck rest in peace or which I haven't actually seen but you know like Eidolon, etc. But just being able to thought seize it takes it. So I've been, I haven't been missing it. And then I beat Burn for the to get the four one. I do want to say I had this sweet line, uh, casting uh, Underworld Breach. So then I could uh, flashback essentially Collective Brutality escalated to like take their last card and it was and like like to, to the whole shebang. It was pretty sweet and you know just value breaches are a real line in this deck, which is a lot of fun and I really like. So I got the four one and you know almost got the trophy except i got uh, absolutely blasted by belcher but i would you know i'm actually next weekend uh, my fiance will be out of town and so i might try and play in one of the challenges you know i'll probably run this Ooh. list in one or two leagues and if Challenge i if, type? if maybe you know if i can if i can at least four one if i play two leagues and i four one in two leagues and the deck feels good i'm snapping off the challenge you know Hell i'm feeling yeah. all right this deck. listen Listen, I'm I'm going in for a challenge packed with you. If I can four one multiple times with this deck this week and correct my play with the Grixis Breach deck, I will queue up the same challenge with you. We'll do it uh, Team or Orion style. That would be uh, sick. Yeah, we should we'll so go roll it together. We should definitely this league. We should we should one of us should stream a league and we should play through it together. Well, we can go back and forth. We could do one and then the other, and then uh, and then put put that up. That would be really good. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, sideboard, you've got some open slots here. So classic Jiggy Wee construction, sixty-one main deck cards. Oh uh, yeah. But thirteen sideboard in this case. Oh you have whoops. Some open slots here. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. no, it's all good. And I did want to recommend something to you that I saw in another Luris deck, which was the God's Shadow uh, Grixis midrange deck. He was playing some Mire Tritons in the sideboard. So that's one in a black for a two-one. Uh, merfolk zombie when it enters the battlefield you gain two life you mill two and it has death touch um i'm not 100 percent sure if this is somewhere you want to be at but it does synergize with luris it does synergize with unearth it mills you and it gains you life so it, it does yeah. feel like the perfect marriage of form and function for this deck yeah that's... Uh, it's not it's weird because it's like medium against burn because it's like a two, well actually it's pretty good against burn it's great it's against one, burn but they it's don't, not they don't play lavadar it's, it's medium bad against, against prowess yep yes um, which is kind of crappy, but uh, food for thought. The, the yeah, card no. is definitely, I think, probably worth testing and could even be a main deck card because, I mean, just milling you for two may not be the worst thing in the world sometimes. I, yeah, no, that, that is a wonderful suggestion, Zach. And, you know, I think the big thing is definitely four co-brews, you know, Collective mm -hmm. Brutality. Mm -hmm. That card was mm -hmm. insane for me. Like, holy crap. I, because it kills the Eidolon, clears some removal spells, gains you some... I mean, it does literally everything. Plus, putting cards in your graveyard is not a downside for this deck. There was actually, versus the four-color Shift deck, I wound up um, uh, uh, escalating it just once, and I pitched my Luris. I took their path to exile, and then I unearthed my Luris, and that just like replayed a bobble. <laughs> so and for that... the same cost you would normally play a Luris... You got, got to do both. Yeah, I, it was I like a three. It. it was like a three for one for three mana. It was nuts. I love yeah. it. Uh, I also just want to touch back on the witch's cottage. You know, I think um, it was aspiring Spike said on Faithless Brewing that that was among the cards that he had a lot of high hopes for, and I think it's overperformed for me in every list I've put it in. I was playing it in some red black shadow and some of my other brews, and 
I'm, I'm with you. I think that this might be uh, the next card that needs to be abused until it's banned. You know, uh, maybe it's not quite as good <laughs> as Mystic Sanctuary was, but I think that it is incredibly powerful and underutilized. We're, we're, we're not seeing this sweet line where you have a Dark Confidant and you resolve your Dark Confidant trigger for your extra draw and then you Witch's Cottage for your draw step so that you don't have to take the extra damage for it. So keep that in mind, people. If you want to reset it for your draw step, but you have a Bob in play, you can still do it. I've I've almost I, done that. I didn't have to, I, but it was like it was an right. option. Yeah, I'm excited about trying to play some bobs, but I, I think the Meyer Triton also could go in that slot too. For the no, main you um, I it honestly like it, you have a if Bob was banned, I would totally put Meyer Triton in that slot. But like sure, you, sure, I cannot. Oh, I no, cannot. I'm just excited to try one and then see how it feels because in this super burn meta, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if you want main deck Bob, but I think it could be the sideboard I mean, consideration. So like. What I was saying now about those sideboard slots being okay for Meyer Triton could be, in my mind, playing the main deck Meyer Triton, playing the sideboard Bob, because there's just so many aggressive decks around. I'm just saying it, it, it may be worth testing, because I don't... Yeah. But if you could speak specifically to, in your league, when you ran into the burn decks, was was there a Bob in your hand, you're like, I can't play this, or like you did play it, and you're like, yeah, I flipped the Lurus, and I really regretted getting free bolted. Oh, no. I mean, you play the Bob. I side them out, of course. But, like, Burn kills Bob on sight because, you know, just, like, it, once again, like, if Bob, if they leave Bob and if Bob flips, you know, Amber into Bobble, then, like, you're gonna, you might actually win that game. Like, they have... Also, you, you can block and kill a Goblin Guide, right? Yeah. So, yep, it's yep. not even, like, they, they there's kind of no upside for them to leave it in play, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, they, you know, <laughs> I've... If my opponent has had a removal spell, it has been cast on Bob if Bob is in play. If they if they let Bob survive, that means they don't have a removal spell. And this is across all wakes. And yeah, they, this Bob, Bob was huge. It's also nice just having, you know, like being able to just take out three Bobs and some other things out in four collective brutality. Like, you know exactly what to side out. So yeah, this, you know, I'm, I love this deck. It, it has felt really, really, really good and really powerful. The lines are definitely very unintuitive and I feel like I've had a, some pretty big level up moments just recently just you know kind of playing just putting in the reps and then seeing okay like when do you go for the croaks lazav lines versus when do you threaten the breach and like how do you save your unearths and all these things and i feel you know i feel like i can navigate and there's also i think a big strength of this deck is just the opponents have no idea what the hell you're doing i get like it you know i've definitely won a couple of times because they're just like you know there's actually this one time where they thought seized me like they thought seized my hand like my hand was nuts and I told them in chat, like, because, you know, we're being pretty chatty and fun. I'm like, honestly, I don't know what you should take. Like, it's it's either the Breach or, it's like, it's like the Breach or the Luris, but, like, you know, just, I have no, or no, it, was, it was Breach or Unearth. It's like, that was it. It's just like, it's one of the two, but, like, I, as the one who plays this, made this deck, I have no idea what you're supposed to take. It's probably going to depend on, you know, what I top deck. But just, there's a whole bunch of those situations where they're just, and... Uh, some people, they'll honestly, they don't realize that Lazav can copy Croaks in the graveyard. I've definitely, like, had some pauses after you copy and just, like, pause while they're kind of contemplating their fate. Probably wants three Pythene Needle in the board, though, at least. Yeah, I, I would think so. There's uh, even, even um, well, I don't even know if you'd want it against most control decks, but if you were able to look at their hand early um, and then be like, okay, I'm going to take this card, I'm going to leave you with your Teferi Time Raveler and Pithing Needle you. Oh no! It comes. It comes in against control. Yeah, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Is you bring it in, and then you, and then you get to set up with it for the thought, thoughtsies. Yep. So you're you're you pin them down with with the 
the needle on on something that would be you know I, i'm sure you've experienced i've seen you do it i think uh, having your grinding station bounced uh is as a pain in the butt if you needed it to be in play for the mana investment yep so. or emery bounce too but also you know you just i found in the blue control matchup it's all about jace if they get down to jace you're probably in with a couple of brainstorms you're probably going to be in trouble so if you just even needle the jace you know that shuts off kind of like their huge card advantage engine they still have a couple outs in the teferis but it just it it you know needle has been huge for me yeah it's just about buying time so you can combo and yeah, but try, trying to stop them from finding rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, but you know, turn one thoughtsies take their rest in peace. That is some feels yeah. good. Let yeah. me tell you, thoughtsies would. Yeah. I do have to give a shout out to Alpinko. Uh, he's an MTGO user, uh, who he I mentioned this before. He independently came to a very similar Grixis Lazav breach list. Uh, his didn't have Bob's, but he did have three thoughtsies main. And you know, I'm very happy that I've I've essentially come around. Like, I've tried to. Sh- an absurd amount of breach lists now and like small different things but still with some shells and i feel super confident in the archetype and just like my thoughts on the archetype and you know i think he was totally right with the three thoughts he's probably you know i think the place that is right just you know you you're just so threat dense you know like your greet your brick your breach breach grinding station wins the game uh Kroxa, lazav can win the game really quickly luris emery bob you know just like everything is just this huge hard hitter and just having you know disruption like even against the titan decks you know just grabbing their prime time grabbing their dryad you know grabbing their summoners pack it just buys you enough time in those kind of matchups which i didn't you know i didn't consider that like when you know it's like oh if i had just had that one more turn i probably could have won it's like thought seize is that one extra turn yep yes absolutely that that level of disruption is just perfect and then you do you get to do some crazy things sometimes where you could um on a if you had to do a value breach turn you can just thought seize them two or three times and uh make sure that you have a clear 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 space for the next turn because this deck also has luris so if you have luris you could just play that breach again yeah so yeah. even though it sounds like oh when are you ever going to do a value breach where you do a bunch of thought seizes it's like no it's definitely a thing because this uh this deck one of the problems I had with the other breach decks is that you have infinite ways to find and get a grinding station in play, but it's much harder to get breach to stick around. And you can get breaches into your graveyard all the time. Man, am I good at putting breaches, breaches <laughs> into my graveyard? But that's not where you need it, unless of course you can cast it, which you can do with Luris of the Dream Den. So yeah, I um, when you found the unearth Luris, all that technology. I mean, this has propped up a lot of very powerful decks. Um, and uh well i mean not not too too many but uh, the esper Areo deck that uh, managed to go way up in a challenge was leveraging this exact kind of interaction and uh every time i see it i'm always going all right that's this is uh, worthy of consideration yeah yeah it you know it just feels so good and on the value uh on the value breach this deck value breaches a lot like you should you should, because you have the Croaks of Lazav plan, you should not really be concerned like, oh, you know, like I have to win through Breach, so I have to save my Breaches for, you know, winning, or I have to, you know, like I can't just throw down a Breach and do some things. Like, value breaching, it's won me an insane amount of games. You know, you just fill up your yard, and there's this one time actually, uh, you know, I cast Breach, I thought seized them twice, uh, and then I escaped my, and then I escaped Croaksa and got their last land out of their hand, and like, that was the game. You know, like, Kroxa and Breach is also hilarious because you can actually, you can escape Kroxa with having two less cards in your graveyard, which comes up fairly frequently. You know, sometimes you just want to get that, like, turn three Kroxa down because, you know, they don't have a removal spell. And it feels pretty sweet. Awesome, dude. Yeah. This. Yeah, so super, super psyched for the challenge. You know, I think I'm feeling it. <laughs> would love to 
I, you know, would love to be 66% on top hitting a challenge. That'd be pretty sweet. Well, if we if we totally crush it, we have to do uh, episode 14B. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, or, or 13B, so that people get an immediate update of challenge winner, uh, Dr. Combo. Oh, yeah, I know that's genius. And, you know, I do I do love the pact, how playing the, you know, just playing the teamer, teamer Kinnon in the, in the challenge too. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, both making top hey, man, 32s. Hey, man, we, we got to do it again. In the Swiss, you got to go first. I got to go 32nd. <laughs> both no way. Posted. If we both make top eight, that would be sick. <laughs> well, I don't think we actually broke it that hard, but maybe over the next week we will. We got to te- keep all our technology secret. So uh, no, no five O's allowed. And uh, uh, I'm, <laughs> nope, I'm, if I'm trophying, I'm trophying. You know, I'm gonna get that trophy. No, no, I uh, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's great. So we've got some really cool things to explore, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll continue playing some amount of uh, Enigmatic Incarnation. Um, Brian, what are you the most interested to play uh, this week uh, out of uh, Urza decks or uh, Incarnation decks? Or the, the world's our oyster now. I mean, there's just so many things you could do. Uh, any variety of Black X midrange seems to be on the table. I've seen Mardu, Abzan, Jund. Well, I mean, I, I, okay, so last night you sent uh, somebody into our Discord. I assume it was from your stream. And I did do, yeah, yeah. They were saying like, "Oh, I have this list. Would you be interested?" And I said, "Oh, just hop in the Discord and drop it there." Yeah, that's the best. So way to this list me. is um, a Mystic Forge deck, which is something that I have uh, played with a lot and really enjoyed. And so I took their list and started tweaking it. And um, I, I'm now, uh, I'm, I'm back on the Mystic Forge train. Uh, I have a bunch of ideas there. Uh, I do still want to keep working on Paradoxical Outcome Urza. I am very interested in this Grinding Breach list. There's there's a lot of uh, stuff to play with. I'm sure I'm going to bounce around all over the place. Um, I'm definitely interested in pursuing more of those vehicles lists. It's it, too many things and not enough time. But the good news is uh, I have some childcare uh, my in-laws are staying with us for a little while, and so uh, I should have a little bit more opportunity to play. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that I could, uh, you know, take a couple days off, maybe uh, mid to late next week, and just play MTGO all day. So uh, maybe I'll be able to pack oh, it all yeah. in there. And hey, maybe I can even register the Grinding Breach for the challenge as well, since I do have that. That would uh, be so right? sick. All three of us. And I, I whew, it's been a long time since I played in a real competitive event. Yeah, they're fun. You know, they get they get you, you know, like you you want to win the challenge so you know you take it pretty seriously oh, you yeah. get those sweats that nervousness that serum, jitteriness serum squad represent oh yeah man it's um the, the more you do it the better you get at it but uh yeah the, the first time i play a challenge after a while i've always got the shakes yeah. it's kind of fun a little it makes bit. you feel Just makes you bit. feel alive oh yeah i completely agree it's like it's like when you're one match away from the 5-0 and you're like oh okay this could be one of the <laughs> all right let's 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 not screw it up very well put all right, well, Zach, I think you got something to say, right? I sure do. You know what it's time for. It's time for Bumps and Dumps, baby! Oh, I, you know what? I, I'm sad to lose, lose Uro, but I'm happy to see a huge resurgence in diversity, excitement, viability of jank, diversity of, of just the, not just the decks that are appearing in the format, but just all sorts of nonsense cards. People who want to play Pox and 8-Rack, they, they, they're they alive again, you know. Um, we've seen consistent 5-0s from all sorts of stuff, like, um, as I mentioned before, uh, Grixis Midrange Master, God's Shadow. 
Um, it feels like every format got a huge shot in the arm, much like the human race may do uh, soon. So um, <laughs> little little preventative uh, uh, medicine going a long way here. Um, big shout outs to all the, the legacy uh, streamers that I've been enjoying watching. Um, obviously they're exploring their new format that is now rid of Oko, Dreadhorde and Astrolabe. And a lot of them have been doing all sorts of crazy stuff in that format. I, I like to relax a lot of the time by not watching modern streams when I play so much modern, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just sometimes too much of a good thing, but, uh, it's great. And then, uh, dumps to, uh, to, uh, having to play against Tron, but not to pl- Tron players. You guys are a beautiful, respectable part of our, uh, local metagame, locally sourced Tron lands, just absolutely trashing people's nonsense. You guys are just as respectful as Burn and Dredge. And uh, you know what? It wouldn't be modern without these things to lose to. Um, so, and just a, a small public service announcement to anyone, anyone who really takes the uh, hate of archetypes too too far. You know what? It's supposed to be in good fun. And uh, if, if, if someone's really feeling attacked because we, we rag on their archetype, just let them know it's meant to be in good fun, that losing to Tron is, is very frustrating for a lot of people because it's just impossible to have the right tools to, uh, to play against them. Losing to Dredge can be very frustrating because it's hard to have the right tools to play against them. Um, losing to Burn is very frustrating because then even when I have all the right tools, they have the double main deck skull crack. <laughs> so, um, Justice. You know, um, but just remember, people, when we're annoyed with your archetype, it usually means we have a, a, a low win rate against you. Um, <laughs> and we're just trying to make ourselves feel better. We're just trying to massage our own ego by being like, oh, Tron players have no skill. When, uh, you know, um, there's not a lot of Tron players who consistently can top challenges. And those who do, there's a reason that it's the same names all the time. There's a lot of skill. There's a lot of discipline required. And uh, much respect for anyone who can take something like Dredge into the top of the metagame, Tron into the top of the metagame, or Burn into the top of the metagame, you know. Uh, it may not be... It, it's, it's good, honest work to play those decks and uh, go compete in the challenges. Well said, well said. Uh, so I'm gonna, you know, I gotta give bumps to science. A, the vaccine rollout is kind of taken off and going well, uh, so that's actually wonderful news. But B, my experiments are also starting to work again, which is nice and you know, time of metal to the grindstone. It's kind of like when you flip a coin ten times. It's not you don't get heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails. You get heads, 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 tail, 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 heads, tail. Uh, and that's kind of how doing science experiments work, where, you know, for a month, nothing will work. And then the next month, everything will work. And I'd imagine there's probably a lot of things like that. But, you know, I'm now in the month where everything is working again, which is very, very exciting. Uh, so that's going well. Uh, big bump story. Mastered sets. Hell yeah. You know, the limited environment's going to be sweet. Uh, would love, you know, if they old border Urza, uh, man, that would be uh, sick. I don't I think I'm, they're done with blue, but we can dream. Oh no, maybe one day. Uh, so you know, maybe they'll put them in like the in the list or something. But I'm very I'm Planar gonna buy a, chaos remastered anyone. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely gonna buy a box, and I'm very excited to play limited format. And honestly, dumps to the Woody Show. I don't know. Probably most people don't even know what it is, but it's a syndicated radio program that like it plays on the alternative stations early in the morning. And I love to listen to alternative stations uh, just in general. And uh, when I commute, I have to. It takes up the place of music. But it, it's just, I don't know, it drives me crazy. It's kind of like reality TV, uh, but like it's just terrible people being terrible is like what I would, how I would describe it. 
you know, just like a lot of mediocrity and, you know, just like angst and I, I don't understand why it's so popular, but also, you know, I unfortunately, I listen to it and I contribute to the viewership uh, or I contribute to the <laughs> listening ship uh, just because there's nothing else on except NPR. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I hate it and like drives me crazy listening to it uh, and you just the things they say. But, and, and it's taking over all the alternative radio stations. Like even my home one and uh, the one I listen to and from when I'm with my parents in uh, Philadelphia, uh, that one, you know, like they recently, last year they put on the Woody show, which makes me sad because I was hoping to escape it. Uh, but yeah, Dumpster the Woody show just, I don't know, drives me crazy. It's not even like a fun hate listen. It's just, uh, oh, you know, I just don't have anything else to put on. And this commute is only 10 minutes. So it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, that, I guess that's my only dumps this week. You could always listen to the hit, uh, hit the hit song, The Sound of Silence. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know. I just like having background noise, but that's probably what oh, I should I, I do. I get you. I, I'm, a, I'm a background noise aficionado as well. I love, I love white noise. Um, it's probably... Now it's been ingrained in me from working on cruise ships because I don't know if you understand how loud a ship is most of the time, but it's like it's like working in a plane, yep. uh, especially when you're when you're below decks. I think for passengers they try to keep those areas quieter, but man, I've I've had my room next to an anchor. Oh boy, <laughs> that's yeah. When Ooh. when you get into rough rougher weather, um, it will literally um, bang on the side of the ship from from time to time. It's it's on the inside of the ship, but it's held on an angle. But if the ship is rocking enough. It will ever so slightly lift up and then crash down, and it's like uh, it's like a church bell <laughs> inside. Cool. Jeez. <laughs> no. Ryan, uh, what do you got? I'm gonna say bumps to nice weather. This past week in Santa Cruz, we had oh, uh, baby. like 70 degrees and sunny for a what couple days. Hell? So, uh, yeah, definitely big bumps to that. It was great to get outside. Uh, you know. Dumps to allergies. Normally, allergy season doesn't start until about March, mm. but because of the said nice weather, uh, they kicked in a little <laughs> bit early this year. Um, but, you know, uh, hydration helps a ton, so just got to keep on top of drinking my water, and uh, I'll make it make it through another year. Nice. And take one of those, what, leaves or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah, I don't actually tend to take the, uh, the decongestants or the, the antihistamines. Yeah. And... Um, yeah. It's it's okay as long as I stay well hydrated. If I am not well hydrated, I can definitely tell the next morning. Well, until next time, we've got uh, all of our actual original Serum Visions hosts right here, giving uh, everyone uh, good luck in the modern Pioneer legacy queues, maybe even standard. I don't know if that's still a thing. Maybe they've banned even more cards from that. Maybe they just banned <laughs> cards from that. But uh, from me to everyone out there, have a great time in the league boot up a vehicle, grind some breaches, or uh, just Tron people, whatever it is you want to do. Oh, yeah, and maybe, you know, we'll have some good tournament reports. Maybe we'll have three <laughs> we'll top see. eights. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll take up 37.5% of the modern challenge top eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a podcast team can dream. Yeah, a team can dream. See you guys. Have a good one. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to episode 13 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg, email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com, or join us on Discord at the link in the episode description of your podcast player or on serumvisions.podbean.com.
Mm. I'm a self-proclaimed mill master. 